Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, and I'm joined by Dave Somerville. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good. Enjoying the festive activities, but uh, yeah, New Year's coming upon us, and you know, we're coming up to the end of the regular season. Yes, was uh, was Santa good to you? Santa was too good to me as always. You know, just, just between the chocolates, um, maybe the odd Guinness here and there, and yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, you know, making sure I've seen everyone. But uh, what about yourself? Yes, I had a great uh, a great Christmas, and it was uh, good to see some of the family and that. And uh, uh, Santa was very good to me, although I did get one gift, Dave, <laughs> at Christmas, and. I'm not really sure how I feel about it. Now you know sometimes you'll get a you'll get a Christmas gift, a present from someone, and you and you're thinking, well, you know what? That's really thoughtful. It's really nice yeah, yeah, that yeah, somebody yeah. would yeah. just give give you a gift that you know you know you don't necessarily expect a gift from that person. Um, and then when you receive the gift, you realise that they're just trolling you the entire time. So, like, in think, my sorry, in my defence, in your defence, yes. Uh, in my defence, I gave you a very nice gift, and then just a, you know, a sli- hidden underneath it, there might have been a slight, um, an, an alternative to the nice gift, shall we say? Yes, yes. So, um, Dave got me um, a couple of books, which is very nice of you, Dave. Thank you mm. for that. So, no worries. yeah, I mean, I got an NFL trivia book, and as you know, I love NFL trivia. We're all mm. about the trivia and the random stats yeah, and things like that. Absolutely. We like it. So, for that, Dave. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> okay. Now, the the other thing is that I, I received a second book from Dave, um, which was The Case for the Goat, Tom Brady. <laughs> now, clearly, I, I haven't even opened this because <laughs> uh, I'm assuming it's just blank pages or it's just oh. one page that says he isn't and that's it. Um, that, that's what I'm assuming. So I've not opened that one yet, Dave. So I don't know what you're you're at with the trolling games. So there we go. Uh, but but thank you, Dave. You, you know what? I, I do appreciate the thought. I appreciate the gesture. I appreciate the gift. So thank you very much for that. And I hope I all our listeners. <laughs> what was that? I'm saying no bother whatsoever. Yeah, I was okay. just going to say that. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I did find it quite odd that someone could write about a hundred pages on why he may be the goat. Um, I, I'd struggle writing one myself, but you know, I thought it would be nice bedtime reading for you to get really worked up at <laughs> towards it bedtime and then be up all night raging about Tom Brady. <laughs> that might be the way it goes, mate. Uh, but listen, thank you very much. I hope all of our listeners had a lovely Christmas. Now it is between Christmas and New Year. We've had our games through the Christmas weekend. We're going to be doing a review. Uh, and then what we're going to be doing is we're going to have our, a preview, of course, of week 17, my word. Wow. And then, mm. uh, of course, Dave and I are going to have our own nominations for uh, our, our season awards. And we're mm-hmm. doing it, you know, there's two weeks to play, but I think we, we can safely do them this week. Um, I don't think we're going to need to review anything. So we'll be picking our MVP, our Offensive Defensive Rookie of the Years. Uh, we'll be picking uh, Comeback Player of the Year, Coach of the Year. Now, I should point out that whatever the actual NFL voting is, whatever the voting for MVPs has no bearing on what we choose. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. year. We are not, although, although you know, I want to say the, the quarterback is always MVP because, of course, they're the most valuable players on their respective teams. I understand that, but that does not necessarily mean that we are going to pick quarterbacks for MVP. So I'm just getting that out of the way. So if someone does pick a quarterback, I don't want people saying, oh, you're just seeing that. No, it's everyone will receive that award on their own merit. Um, I think we can safely say that, Dave. What do you reckon? Yeah, it sounds good to me. I mean, it, you know, it's I, I I was quite aggrieved last year yeah. with the NFL because I, I Cooper Cup didn't win MVP, which I think was an absolute crime. Um, and you know, because it always seems to be a quarterback that wins, I, I was quite annoyed. I definitely thought the the records that he set. Um, uh, you know, he, he was uh, a Super Bowl winner. He was the key, the cornerstone of our offense in a Super Bowl year, and yeah, I I don't even understand that why he didn't win it. So yeah, I'm very disappointed by that. But we'll we'll give our own MVPs anyway. We certainly will be picking our own awards. But before we do that, Dave, why don't we jump straight into the Week 16 Mm. recap? And we kick off with the Thursday night game at MetLife Stadium between the New York Jets and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Jaguars came in here and did pretty much what I thought they were going to do, stuck it to the Jets. The Jets could get nothing done offensively. Um, between Zach Wilson and Chris, I'm going to get this wrong. Is it Streveler? Streveler? I think it's Streveler. Streveler, yeah. Between Zach Wilson and Chris Streveler could get absolutely nothing done offensively. And the Jaguars come away with a 19-3, very convincing win. Um, Dave, we'll put it to you. What did you make of this one? I mean, it goes to show why Zach Wilson was benched, basically, um, earlier in the season. And I don't think... Robert Sala has said that um, it's not the end for Zach Wilson and they're going to work with him on things. I don't see a way back. He's been terrible. He's not a franchise quarterback. He may, he, he'll be a decent backup quarterback. I, th- I think he'll be a decent backup to the Ravens, possibly, because of his mobility. Um, that would be a good shout for me, uh, being back up to Lamar Jackson. He was awful in this game. The, the Jets, they, it, com, the two quarterbacks combined for 182 yards, um, 19 for 33, uh, and Zach Wilson threw an interception. They couldn't get anything done on the ground. Well, Strebler, when Strebler came in, he, he was the biggest rusher, basically. Nine guys for 54 yards. Now, we've been quite big on Zonovan Knight uh, this year as the running back that came in for Brees Hall. Uh, he got six carries for minus two yards. So that pretty much goes to show what happened. And um, the only reason that there were so many passing yards for the Jets was uh, basically CJ Ozoma had one reception for 30, a big 30-yarder. And that was about it. The rest were kind of pretty much shorter yards. Um, the Jaguars basically shut down Garrett Wilson, the main threat, and that's all they had to do, really. Trevor Lawrence didn't really get out of second gear to be honest and um he managed to uh, rush in for that pretty good touchdown so i mean the jag the jaggers and evan engram was the main uh receiving back i think the ja- the jags um linebackers were just on point for the entire game and devin lloyd was my player of the game to be honest uh, he had six tackles and he also had that pick from uh, off sack wilson so yeah the i mean the jags they look a lot better and they're coming yeah. 
they're coming right at the best time of the year, right at the end when they're on the verge of getting into the playoffs. So well done to the Jags. Yes, indeed. Uh, I should have pointed out that 70,043 fans watched this game in MetLife Stadium. <laughs> poor people. Poor guys. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right with Trevor Lawrence. He didn't have to get out of second gear. The, no. the Jaguars moved the ball fairly efficiently and they didn't really need to do anything because the Jets were hopeless. And I think you're right, Zach Wilson, the only reason Zach Wilson played was because of injuries. Um, I, I don't I don't see him being there this year. He'll be gone. Um, it's, a, it's a shame for the Jets fan base because they've had so much trouble at the quarterback position over mm-hmm. the years, and and they've had high pick after high pick after high pick. It's just never worked out for them. Um, and we'll see what happens. I don't know many teams that would pick up Zach Wilson, maybe as a third stringer. And to go from mm-hmm. a, a second overall pick to that is just, it's a poor show. But we'll move on, Dave. We'll move on. And we come to the next game, which was the Baltimore Ravens and the Atlanta Falcons at M&T Bank Stadium in front of 70,467 fans. I got the format right this time. Um, and they watched the Ravens uh, take care of the Atlanta Falcons by a score of 17-9. to It was mostly field goals. Justin Tucker uh, knocked in three. Yonko Koo knocked in three. But the big difference was a six-yard pass from Tyler Huntley to Demarcus Robinson and Huntley converted the two-point conversion as well. So Dave, what did you make of this game? It, it didn't have an awful lot um, offensively going in. I mean, the Falcons did get over 300 uh, yards total. Um, the Ravens, it was most, mostly their running game uh, as we've been used to over the passing game. But what did you think of this one? I mean, it, it was just a running game fiasco. Uh, it, it, the, the, the Ravens, only they they ran the ball and you know they picked up I think it was 180 yards rushing uh, I've got written down in my notes something like that uh, Desmond Ritter was in for the Falcons which I I don't hate but uh, he didn't really show any kind of massive sparks to be honest uh, Drake London seven receptions 96 yards I think he's probably been the Falcons player of the year um, he, he's really lived up to the hype Ravens I mean it was a uh, three-way three rushing, basically, with Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, and Huntley out of the QB position. Um, I, th- I think every time Huntley went to run, though, they seemed to pick up really quickly, did the Falcons. 11 carries for 26 yards, uh, and he was 9 of 17 for 115 yards. He did get the one touchdown um, to Demarcus Robinson. Mark Andrews was pretty much shut down. He was targeted quite a lot, but he just couldn't. He couldn't take in a lot of the catches as well. So I'm wondering if there's maybe a slight, um, not necessarily fitness issue, but he might he might just be a bit, a bit of ring rust for uh, Andrews because he's he he was out injured earlier in the season, and I I don't think he's shown too much since then. So I'm a bit worried there for the Ravens. I, I'm worried that uh, if Lamar will come back too quick and. Or, or when I say too quick, I mean he'll come back and he'll kind of it'll be the, their first uh, playoff game and they will lose. So I'm worried for the Ravens. Uh, I think their defense was brilliant though. Roquan Smith was just uh, unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable. Um, and I, I I think he was probably the steal of the season for them. Why the Bears gave up their best defense player uh, and didn't pay him was just absolutely stupid. So, 
the Falcons are Falcons are I I thought they would challenge for the a very poor NFC South and they've gone the complete opposite direction and it's got it's looking like the the only possibility of challenging the Bucks is the Panthers. Yeah, I mean it's crazy to think that at five and ten, I don't think the Falcons are actually out of it yet, are they? <laughs> I think they're just out of it now. I, I think is that yeah, them out now? I, I couldn't remember yeah, what, what the, so, other, yeah. the, um, the other uh, standings are in the, in the NFC South. Uh, the Panthers can make it. The Saints mm-hmm. can make it. The yes. Saints can win this division. Um, but, oh my word, who wants to win this division? It's absolutely appalling. They're it, all it, trying it, to lose it. It really does appear to be that way. So what we're going to do is we're going to move on now and we come to the next game. And this was on Saturday at 1 p.m. The Chicago Bears hosted the Buffalo Bills at Soldier Field in front of 59,929 fans and probably wish they hadn't. The Bills came in and absolutely dismantled the Bears. Uh, Chicago could get very little done and the Bills were just in charge the whole way, 35 to 13, particularly in this the, the second half. Uh, at the beginning, I mean, Chicago opened the scoring. With a, with a, mm-hmm. a touchdown pass from Justin Fields, um, but then from then on it was basically Buffalo all the way, and I don't know what to make of 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 Josh Allen because you look at his stat line, and it's not great. Uh, I don't know if you want to touch on this later. Fifteen to twenty six, hundred and seventy two yards, two touchdowns. Two picks. Don't want to give him a rating of seventy one point three. He did, of course, have a rushing touchdown, but uh, Devin Singletary and James Cook took this game over uh, on the ground, Dave. So, what did you make of this one? I mean, from a Bills point of view, a good result, but are there concerns about Josh Allen? I'd say no. Um, he did obviously he didn't have the best game with the two picks, but he, he still, you know, he commands so much respect and. Uh, I think th- those two interceptions, he was more trying to force the pass, um, which is something that he will hopefully learn from for the Bills' sake. But when you when your offense, when, when your quarterback's maybe not at his best, you turn to the run game, and they did that emphatically. A, a total of 254 rushing yards between Devin Singletary, Cook, and Josh Allen. So, yeah, that, that, that was all they really needed because the Bears could not stop the run game whatsoever. I mean, Singletary... Uh, 12 carries for 106 yards and a touchdown. Um, you've also got Cook. Is it uh, James Cook, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, D- Dalvin's brother, yeah. I couldn't remember his first name. Uh, he had 11 carries for 99 yards and a touchdown. Josh Allen rushed in for one as well. Um, he did have the two touchdown throws. Uh, they were to Gabe Davis and Dotson Knox. But once halftime hit, the Bears were 10-6 up at halftime. Once, once the half was over, that was it for the Bears. They They just kind of self-capitulated i think at some point uh, justin fields went down did he go down injured i think or he had a little knock he, um, he did have a knock yeah yeah i, I mean throwing he was 15 or 23 for 119 yards and, and one touchdown um i think that touchdown went to dante pettis um mm-hmm. and on the on the ground he just couldn't get anything done seven carries for 11 yards I, i'm certain to think he might be carrying a slight injury uh, going into this game basically because he was almost scared to run it at times as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel for the Bears because they were ending on a positive. I mean, they're three and twelve. They're a lot better team than that. I feel at the moment they're looking for a high pick in the draft. I don't. If they're, I don't think they're going to bin Justin Fields anyway. I, I, I think they'll carry on with him. No, he has had a, a great year. 
Yeah, they, they're not going to do that. This this was his worst rushing performance uh, of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the seven foot seven foot eleven. The the Bills just completely, but the Bills shut their entire offense down. They really couldn't yeah. get anything going. Uh, and that is now seven straight losses for the Bears. It's mm-hmm. it, it's it's tough for them. And in fact, it's ten of the last eleven they've lost. Um, it's it's not been a great season for Chicago, but I think. It's still a young team, and there's a lot to look forward to, particularly with Justin Fields, who uh, last year looked absolutely atrocious. This mm-hmm. year has looked much better. Not not great, but definitely a, a big upgrade on what he was able to do last year. Do you think? Do you think the Bears will consider changing head coach? Um. Is it that, it's I, Matt Eberflus? It, it is. It is Matt Eberflus, and I, I don't think so. Because as I say, I think there's enough there to take some sort of hope from, mm-hmm. um, and look forward and just say we just need to change a couple of things and we've got a good team going forward. But uh, some of the decisions have been a bit dodgy. I don't think so. I think Abelflus will still be there next year, uh, yeah. but we'll wait and see because the Bears are another one of those teams that have been going through coaches and coaches and coaches, and it's not good. And these young players, particularly young quarterbacks, need a little bit of consistency with mm-hmm. coordinators and coaches. It, it, it helps them to do that. Okay. So staying in the NFC North, we then come to the Carolina Panthers and the Detroit Lions. Uh, of course, I'm saying NFC North, Panthers in the South, but the Lions are in the North, and that's what I meant to say. Um, at the Bank of America Stadium, in front of 69,173 fans, watched the Panthers take on the Lions and just hand down a beating 37-23. to 23. I did not see this score coming. I did not see this coming no. at all. Um, my goodness, Sam Darnold played really well. Like really did, well. Yeah. I mean, Jared Goff played exceptionally well as well, but they just could not stop the rushing duo of Foreman and Hubbard. Um, they were all over them. Dave, what did you think of this one? Uh, I, I mean, what a result for this this Panthers team and that running game. Wow. Uh, impressive, wasn't it? I mean, uh, just to look at some of the stats first. So Dante Foreman is the Panthers' main running back right now. He got 21 carries for 165 yards and the touchdown. Uh, and then you've got the other man, Chubba Hubbard, 12 carries, 125 yards. The only thing he didn't do was rush in for a touchdown. He, he, they were just impressive. Uh, Sam Darnold didn't really de- need to do much because the Lions could not stop the run whatsoever. And he did rush in. Uh, did, was that a quarterback sneak, maybe? I, I vaguely remember him trying a quarterback sneak. I don't know if that was the one for the touchdown. But uh, he really rushed in for the touchdown anyway. The Lions, on the other hand, they didn't try to run it. They did not try to run the ball whatsoever. Uh, I think for their their two main running backs, uh, Swift and uh, Jamal Williams, 11 carries between them for 23 yards. That's that's unreal for the Panthers, but unreal for the Lions because they won't be able to believe it. But for every one rush, Jared Goff had, had four throws. So yeah. you're putting a loss on your quarterback there. I mean, and it, you don't want to rely on Jared Goff quite like that. But he, he did step up to the plate. Oh, um, he, he did his job. He, he did his job, but just nobody else seemed to uh, on the line. So he was 25 of 42. There was like a few uh, thrown away, uh, which in fairness was the smart thing to do on those plays. 355 yards, three touchdowns, all to the same man, Shane Zilstra. 
Zilstra. I'm going with that. Yep. I'll I'll, (laughs) I'll take that. Zilstra. Yeah, he's a he's their young tight end. So he had five receptions, twenty six yards, and three touchdowns. And DJ Shark four receptions for one hundred eight yards. Amon Rasin Brown doing his thing, seven receptions for seventy six yards. So yeah, I mean, I mean, Jared Goff played really well on the throws that he completed. Were some of them were brilliant. He had no right to complete them. Um, But the Panthers, I mean. 570 total yards on offense, 250 yards through the air, 320 rushing yards. Oh, if the Lions could mm. rack up 100 rushing yards in that game, I think they would be would have been in with a chance. But they only got, I think it was 45 in total. But it's just not good enough. They couldn't get it done in third down quite a lot. Four of 12. Uh, the Panthers weren't much better, to be honest. Three of nine. Um, but Goff did get sacked two times as well. And the Panthers controlled the, the clock so well 35 minutes of, of total possession compared to the Lions 25 just at the Panthers that that was just a that was probably their best performance of the season it was just a professional job as well yeah I mean they really had the winning formula for that game mm-hmm. so we're then going to move on and we come to the Cincinnati Bengals and New England Patriots at Gillette Stadium in front of 65,878 fans and this was a game of Two halves. In that mm. first half, the Cincinnati Bengals went out to a 22 to nothing lead after Trenton Irwin caught a four-yard touchdown pass from Joe Burrow. And that was it for Cincinnati. New England uh, then only turned it on in the third quarter. Uh, they scored mm-hmm. 18 points in the second half to a final score of 22-18. I mean, by halftime, this game looked completely out of reach. But, you know, with six minutes to go in the fourth, it was right down to the wire. And yet the Cincinnati Bengals prevail with a 22-18 to victory. Um, Joe Burrow threw a couple of picks in this game, uh, but some of the throws he made were absolutely incredible. Mm. I'm not worried about Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow's absolutely fine. I think there's, like I mentioned earlier, a slight concern with Josh Allen, and from my view... But I'm not overly worried. But with Joe Burrow, despite these two picks, I'm not worried at all. The man is doing some incredible things. Um, Mac Jones played well, but just wasn't able to get it done when it mattered the most. Dave, what did you think of this? Yeah, I agree with Mac Jones. Um, I, I with, with Joe Burrow, I mean, up until the interceptions, you know, it, they were just kind of weird. Um, slight lapses in concentration maybe from Joe Burrow's point of view because he played really well he was 40 of 52 for 375 yards he, he had three touchdowns on top of those two interceptions um and he, he was tar- targeting his favorite favorite uh receiver Jamar Chase quite often uh don't forget that T Higgins uh, he, he got one of the touchdowns as well but he also racked up 128 receiving yards uh, they they didn't get much done on the ground. Joe Mixon sixteen carries for sixty five yards. Um, I think I to me anyway, it was the Bengals defense that won that you know managed to see out this game because the Patriots. Uh, I'm trying to think of the best way. The Bengals had the ball so much in this game. It it felt like they, their drives were were going on for an eternity. Uh, you know, it was, they had like close to 37 minutes of offense. That's a lot. And, uh, you're coming up to two thirds of the game there. Um, it's over 60%. Um, I don't know what to make of the Patriots. I really, I really don't because it took them, it took probably a, a good few mouthfuls um, from 
uh, Bill Belichick to actually wake them up. But yeah, I, th- I think that um, Joe Burrow is going to be fine. Mac Jones, I think there's a lot of questions about his future now uh, because obviously he's been benched a couple times this year. Uh, and there's also worries that he doesn't, he isn't able to throw it 50 yards down the field. So they they did they couldn't get the running game going either. But um, Bengals just scrape over the line with this one. Yes, they do indeed. It was a close one. It shouldn't should never have got to that point when it's being so close. Uh, but they just mm-hmm. seem to sort of turn off uh, in the second half. So then when we move to the Cleveland Browns and the New Orleans Saints, and this one was at first Energy Stadium in front of sixty seven thousand four hundred and thirty one fans, and they watched the New Orleans Saints come in and take a victory from the Cleveland Browns. Um, it was a game which I had sort of mixed feelings about this game because and. Andy Dalton, his stat mm-hmm. line, 8 of 15 for 92 yards, one interception. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a, that's a bad stat line. Like, really bad. A rating of 44.3. But on the other side of the field, Deshaun Watson didn't do any better. He had more than double the attempts, and he only had an extra 43 yards. He went 15 to 31 for 135 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. He was also sacked twice. Um... It was, it was a weird game. I, 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 it's one of the few games that I watched. And I didn't enjoy it at all from a neutral yeah. point of view, uh, except for the final score. Um, so, Dave, I'll, I'll put it to you. What did you make of this one? It was a weird game. I'm going to make a prediction for next year. And I'm going to say that Deshaun Watson next year is going to have a season that mirrors Russell Wilson this year. I think I think Watson is going to be up there with one of the worst trades you in know, history. You're taking shots. We've not even <laughs> got to the Christmas Day game yet. No, no, no. And you're taking shots. No, I'm not. I'm uh, not. That that's a shot the whole season. I'm, and I, I'm the only the only bright. Well, I, we'll come to that later. But um, Deshaun Watson was poor. He looked really poor. I know he's been out for weeks and weeks and months and months. This is not anywhere near Deshaun Watson's A game. This was this was kind of borderline E game at this point because he looked incompetent. He he looked like his decision making was very questionable. He threw he only threw one pick, but there could have been two or three. Um, and you know they they kind of relied a lot on Nick Chubb, and he wasn't able to get a lot done. He had twenty four carries for ninety two yards. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to say about this game. Mari Cooper was. The one that was targeted the most by Watson, he got I think something like forty percent of his completions for seventy-two yards. Andy Dalton looks you kind uh, of past the sell-by date now. I, I there was he did he didn't throw it a lot. So the Saints came in with a clear run game uh, in mind. Now I, I do have a question that I don't know the answer to. Is James Winston is he fit? So as far as I'm aware. Um, and if, if anyone wants to correct me in this, feel free to do so. As far as I'm aware, he's not. I think they basically said he's out for the season. He's, he's not going to come back, mm-hmm. um, to the best of my knowledge. I've not, I'll be honest, I've not heard much from the Jameis Winston camp recently, uh, but I, I don't think that he is. I don't think he's fully ready to go. I think if he was ready to go, he'd be playing. Yeah, because I, I, I think I don't, he, he should be. Yeah, I, I don't think um, Andy Dalton is keeping James Winston out, if you know what I mean. I don't think his mm-hmm. play is warranting not playing 
Jameis Winston. Um, I, I feel so bad for Jameis Winston. This is, he seems to be one of the most unlucky guys over the past two years with these injuries. And it's just, I, I really hope that he can come back next year and show why he was a, a, a first-round pick, a first-overall pick. Yeah, uh, you know uh, those years ago for for the, the Buccaneers. Um, I think he's been sort of hard done to, James Winston, throughout most of his career. So I really hope he comes back. But yeah, to the best of my knowledge, he's not fit, and that's why he's not playing. Yeah, because I, I mean, if if he is if he is available to play, he should be played straight away. Andy Dalton is no longer a, a kind of starting quarterback anymore, as far from from what I can see. He's had a couple of good games. It's slim pickings, to be honest. I think the Saints really need a kind of overhaul. And also on the back of this game, there's all, uh, apparently one of the worst kept secrets in the NFL is that Sean Payton could be returning to the Saints next year. Yeah, there has been some rumours about Sean Payton sort of coming out of retirement. Um, you'd have to think the Saints would be his first choice. I th- I yeah, think you, the, you, the you, Saints are the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are out the window after the season they've had. Um. I, I, there's there's no way Mike McCarthy is losing his job. Right. So, ordinarily, I would agree with you. I, I would. But I think if Sean Payton became available, Jerry Jones would pack McCarthy's bag from himself and kick him wow. to the curb. I really do. I, th- I think Jerry Jones would do that. I think he criminal. would do that. Absolutely criminal. It would be criminal. McCarthy doesn't deserve to be fired after this year. He doesn't deserve it. No. Uh, but I think if Sean Payton was available, Jerry Jones would fire him. I think he would. Um, much in the same way, Dave, and I know you, you don't necessarily agree with me on this one, but much in the same way that back in uh, at the end of the 2011 season, um, Tim Tebow had that magical one with the Broncos. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously he was going to be the starter the following year. But then Peyton Manning became available. Yeah. So they punted him. Now, a lot of people are saying there's no way that Tebow was going to be the starter in, in 2012 for the Broncos. He should have been. He should, should have been. 2011 was a, an amazing season. I still remember that season. It was it was brilliant. Like, it was yesterday. Uh, but we all know that as soon as Peyton Manning was available, like, you know, I don't care who we've got in the building. If we can get Peyton Manning, we're taking Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's of that ilk because Sean Peyton is so highly regarded amongst everyone in the league that there yeah. are very few teams who wouldn't take Sean Peyton on. There, there's not many. That's that's how highly regarded he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, for I, example, I, I, yeah, like yeah. some of the ones of the younger court, you know, you, you don't Rams. They, they they're not going to get rid of McVeigh and no. um, you know the Patriots aren't going to get rid of Belichick. The Chiefs are not getting rid of Andy Reid. The Ravens aren't getting rid of Hardball. Steelers aren't getting rid of Tom. As as teams like that, they're not. You know, they're not going to get rid of their coach. But there's a f- quite a f- number of teams that if Sean Payton became available, they would do everything in their power to try and get him. Mm-hmm. They really would. No, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I, I think the Saints have been ravaged with injuries, so I, I yeah. don't think it, it's it's Dennis Allen's head coach, isn't it? It is, and I, I, yeah. I don't blame Dennis Allen for any of the no. problems the Saints have had this year. They have been one of the most injured teams, um, to to key players 
They've been decimated by injuries. It seemed like every other day there was another player going on injured reserve. That's what it felt like. It was was just terrible. I think think, just going back to uh, Jameis for a second, uh, I mean, this year he's only started three games. So, you know, he's, I mean, obviously he's been quite ravaged with injuries, uh, but in those three games he's thrown for four touchdowns, but five interceptions as well. And I think that's what maybe the only concern uh, regarding James Winston is that he's too loose with the ball. I think he only had one game where you thought, yeah, he's he's actually got, uh, you know, he's gotten better. His decision making has gotten better. Ball security. Um, I think a few, a couple, you know, all the other two games, I don't think he really showed too much. So that would be the only thing that I would question if he is available to play. So Do you know, I'm going to make a stupid early prediction. Hmm. I think next year, Jameis Winston could win Comeback Player of the Year. He just needs to stay healthy. He needs to stay healthy, but he also needs to keep the ball in Saints' hands. Well, see, the thing is, you look at the interceptions, they're not all his fault. A lot of ricochets, a lot of Mm -hmm. receivers dropping bouncing balls off into the hands of defensive backs. We look at the stat line and we say, wow, Jameis Winston... Just throw so many interceptions. And everyone talks about the 30-30 year. Everyone talks about that one year. It is one year. You know, mm-hmm. he did throw, what was it, 35 touchdowns and 30 picks. Yes, he threw 30 picks. He also threw 35 touchdowns. Let's not forget that. 30 picks is bad. Five, yeah, 5,000 yards in that season as well. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it, you know, that was good. He, and the I'll, thing I'll, is, I'll, so, I'll, it, there it are teams so out there who would take... Uh, 1.1 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. There's several teams out there who would take that and say, I'll take that. Because they've got got quarterbacks throwing 30 picks and they're only throwing 10 touchdowns. Yeah, I I mean, that that season, it was literally all or nothing with him. Um, Because not only did he throw 33 uh, touchdowns, he threw 30 interceptions. Um, He actually took 47 sacks in that year. And how so many that, times that, have we said it? Gotta keep your quarterback upright. His average is three sacks a game. And I I'd it's, much rather I'd much rather my quarterback was just throwing bombs than being a check down merchant. Say that mm-hmm. right now. So I think we'll move on, Dave, because we spent a lot of time talking about <laughs> talking yeah, about true, the Saints true. game. Nothing wrong talking about the Saints. We like the Saints. Mm-hmm. Um but we're gonna move on to the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans at Nissan Stadium in front of sixty-six thousand six hundred and thirty-four people. And how many people saw this result coming? The Houston Texans come away with a 1914 victory. Um sealed by a Brandon Cook's uh, touchdown pass from Davis Mills. And Davis Mills doing what I said he was gonna do and actually playing a lot better than everyone thought he was going to play. You could argue it's not the best stat line, but that doesn't matter. He got the victory. Jeff Driscoll did come in, throw a few passes. He looked very good, actually. Jeff Driscoll, very impressed uh-huh. with him. And they come away with a 1914 shocking upset. That moves the Texans up to 2-12-1 and 12 and 1 on the season. Titans are down to 7-8. and eight. And once again, with these Titans, I don't know. I don't know. No, so Malik Willis was the quarterback this uh-uh. for this game for them. He was appalling, really bad. 
Uh, Derek Henry did what Derek Henry does, but it just wasn't enough to carry the team. Dave, what do you think? First of all, what do you think of the game? And secondly, what do you think of these Titans? I feel like both teams were trying to lose the game. <laughs> it was it was one of those kind of back and forth games where you just don't know what's going to happen. But I tell you what, Lovey Smith with that old head, you know, no clock management, especially uh, to me was key in that game because even though they weren't getting a whole lot done on the ground, um, they were still using so much clock you know, to keep the Titans off the field. And the Titans ended up shooting themselves in the foot quite a lot. I mean, Malik Willis was sacked four times, right? So that, that that's a, that's pretty bad. And, and he also threw two interceptions. He did rush in for a touchdown. But um, yeah, I mean, Derek Henry was the only kind of bright spark for the Titans in that game. 23 carries for 126 yards. Um, I, I did uh, note Danico Autry, who's um, a defensive lineman for the Titans, managed to get uh, five tackles and a sack in the game as well. But um, on the other side, the Texans, Davis Mills was competent. You know, he, 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 apart from that one to inter- interception, I thought he actually did okay. Yeah, he, he played well. He did, he played okay. Um, I mean, it's a low bar, considering, considering the rest of the season. It's a pretty, pretty low bar. Um <laughs> But, um, you know, we saw the return of, Brand- of uh, Brandon Cooks, which I think is massive for the Texans because head was turned uh, towards the end of the trade deadline uh, and he was told he was going here, he was going to end up going here and his head just wasn't in it. But I think he's back in the team now and showing what he's capable of. He had four receptions, 34 yards and a touchdown. So, yeah, good for him. And also uh, my Rodgers, who, if I remember rightly, was with the uh, Packers. Uh, up and I think he was probably cut by the Packers, mm-hmm. uh, and he he came into the game and he had one massive uh, completion uh, for thirty seven yards, which kind of had a little bit of spark uh, into the Texans game. So, I mean, somehow they come away with the win. It's a, it's a te- it's only the Texans' second win of the season. Um, they're pretty much they're, they're going to get one of the top two picks in the draft. I, th- I think that's pretty much done and dusted. But the Titans look poor. And also I've seen that for next week, Derrick Henry is very questionable. He's He's got he's got an injury uh, and he may not play in the game. And if they don't, I think they are in serious trouble. Ryan Tannehill is already listed as out. I don't think Malik Willis has got it in him. He's just he's not a he's not a first uh, kind of uh, quarterback. He's not a franchise quarterback. Uh, Tannehill it takes up so much of that salary cap. It's unreal. But um, yeah, I, I worry for the Titans. I'm not the biggest fan of the Titans organization, but I I, I think that their t- the Titans may have just kind of self combusted and may have ruined their playoff chances. I think they certainly have. That was a that was a crippling loss for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crippling. So then, what we do is we move on to the next game. It's the Kansas City Chiefs welcoming the Seattle Seahawks to Arrowhead Stadium in front of seventy three thousand three hundred thirty one fans. And the the score was twenty four ten to the Chiefs. Uh, that flattered the Seahawks so much. Kansas City jumped out to a seventeen to nothing uh, lead uh, by. Um, I beg your pardon, I was going to say by halftime, it was actually 17-3 at halftime, Seahawks kicked a field goal uh, just at the last kick of the the first half there, but then Kansas City basically just took their foot off the gas, 
Didn't really need to do anything. It was sealed in the fourth quarter and Patrick Mahomes had a sublime touchdown run. The mm-hmm. way this guy controls his body is ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. That put them up 24-3. Uh, the Seahawks did uh, score a garbage time touchdown when Geno Smith threw a touchdown pass into a fant uh, with 2.25 to go in the game to make the score look better than it actually was. Uh, but the Chiefs were never, ever threatened by the Seahawks. And for the, one of the few times this season this Chiefs defense actually turned up and looked solid. Um, Dave, what did you make of this one? You stole my line because I was going to say, we we talk about Pat Mahomes week in, week (laughs) out, and then all of a sudden step up the Chiefs defense and completely shut down the Seahawks. Seahawks looked awful, but I think they were made to look awful by the competency of the Chiefs uh, defense. Uh, I mean, the, the player I noted was Nick Bolton, the linebacker for the Chiefs. He had eight tackles, ten assists as well. Um, you know, you also had Chris Jones. We we know how good Chris Jones is. He's one of the best defensive tackles in the league. Uh, he got a sack as well and a couple of tackles. George Karlaftis, I think quite early on, got a sack. Um, the amount of pressures on Geno Smith as well, because uh, you know, he was 25 of 40 for 215 yards, one touchdown, one interception. They did have a bright spark, though, with Kenneth Walker, 26 carries for 107 yards but he couldn't quite get it into the end zone. And like you were saying about uh, that uh, Pat Mahomes run, that he just, all he, all he had to do was get him on the ground and he was out of bounds. He was, he, was, he was out of bounds. But he managed to get the ball over the line because if I'm not mistaken, the goal line goes in theory right around the world kind of thing. <laughs> so if you get it over that line without being out of bounds, it's a touchdown. So, yeah, basically, um, if you get it over that line within the the confines of the box, so it's an imaginary plane that goes mm-hmm. vertical, um, as long as you get the ball anywhere, you're in control of the ball and it's anywhere within that imaginary box, this includes the, the entirety of the pylon. So mm-hmm. as, if the nose of the ball touches the pylon, that's a touchdown. So uh, as Mahomes is being essentially forced out of bounds, skirting the sidelines, he dives and he's going, we can see he's going out of bounds. Yeah. He's not going to make it. And he puts his hand down and then just sort of on, like right just two inches from the, the out of bounds, two inches from the sideline, and then sort of twists his body and straightens out and seems to, like, extend his body by about a foot. I don't know how he did that. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> touches it out. And I was going, how? In-? I mean, we've all been amazed by Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. You know, like, his entire career, in five years, he's done things that no one has ever done before. This run might be one of the most impressive things he's ever done. That was Unbelievable. I, I, I watched about, it. Uh, I, I don't know about that. It, it was amazing, no doubt about it. But I, I still think it was it's incredible. Kinda, the contortion that he did to his yeah. body to put that because at no point did it look like he was going to score. Mm-hmm. Like he's going out of bounds, two yards short. Yeah, absolutely. And then all of a sudden, he seems to change direction in midair. I'm going, how, how did he do that? It's, that's, I don't think don't think that's actually possible. But there you go. It's Patrick Mahomes. He's, he's some guy. Amazing. Yes, indeed. Yes, let's leave it at that. 
<laughs> we'll move on mm. to uh, the an NFC matchup between the Minnesota Vikings and the New York Giants at US Bank Stadium in front of 66,919 fans who watched their Minnesota Vikings stay within touching distance of the first seed in the NFC with a 27-24 victory over the Giants. The Vikings move to 12-3. The Giants fall to 8-6-1. They're still in with a playoff shout as well. Dave, what did you think of this one? It was a lot closer than many people would have expected. I mean, if you look at the season, the Vikings don't know how to win in that kind of 90 percent of the game they no. just leave it to the last few minutes yeah. to to win it um <laughs> they uh, it was a back and forth game because the, the vikings were pretty much ahead they were they were ahead for the the first half you know going into half time they, they were 10-7 up uh but you know graham gano doing what he does best uh played the giants back into it they were 13-10 up going into the fourth quarter but then it was just points all over the show in in that fourth quarter, twenty eight points in total. Um, but touchdown pass to TJ Hawkins from Kirk Cousins, who had a brilliant game. Uh, I, I'm very big detractor of uh, Kirk Cousins, but he played really well in this game. Justin Jefferson doing Justin Jefferson things we just expect a week in and week out. Twelve receptions for 133 yards in the touchdown. Um, Kirk Cousins was 34 48 for 299 yards, one yard short of the 300 yard mark. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, and the only thing that I would say that was that kind of yeah, maybe put a slight shadow of the Vikings going forward is that he was sacked four times in the game, and they weren't really keeping their quarterback safe. But the Giants, uh, I mean, Daniel Jones was he had a great game, thirty or forty-two for three hundred thirty-four yards, one touchdown. He did have one pick, um, but he looked. Like uh, the Daniel Jones that uh, you know was there pretty much midway through the season when he was kind of w- leading his team to win after win, but um, yeah, the 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 Sa- Saquon Barkley had a decent game as well, fourteen carries for eighty four yards uh, and a touchdown. But the Vikings somehow was it not? I think it was was it a franchise record that uh, the the field goal in the final minute from Joseph. I think it was a was it a sixty one yarder. Yeah, longest in franchise history. Yeah, longest in franchise history. They just don't know how to do it easy whatsoever. <laughs> they have no idea how to do it easy. But you know they got it done, and like I say, they march on because they're now twelve and three, which nobody saw that record at, at this our season. I don't, no, you can say no oh, I called I called for that, blah blah. No, you didn't. You, you not not with any kind of true belief in it. Um. But I tell you what, the Giants killed themselves a couple times with penalties. They had seven penalties in the game, giving up 63 yards, whereas the Vikings had two, giving up 14. So the Giants kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit there. Their third, they, they, could, they couldn't really get it done on third down either. Every time you went to third down, you, you were kind of worried for them. This is the end of the drive kind of thing. But um, yeah, that, I mean, I don't know what to say about the Giants because you don't know which Giants are going to turn up week to week. They've, they've got a good... They've got a good young team uh, Barkley's not old but he is a free agent if they if he doesn't get paid this year um, oh, it'd be that, insane insane to let Barkley go I, I mean it's the same kind of situation with Josh Jacobs at the Raiders because Josh Jacobs is amazing Barkley is amazing both of these players are free agents at the end of the year and 
they're going to get money thrown at them, I feel like, and rightfully so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we've spoken, I don't know how many times about, you know, there's there's certain, like the running back position is one of the most undervalued positions in the entire NFL. Um, No one wants to pay running back because Mm -hmm. as far as they're concerned, they can plug and play. But there are certain running backs that you would be daft to let go. Just, Just daft. Um, so obviously, you know, guys like Derrick Henry. Um, Saquon Barkley's right up there. If if the Giants trade Saquon Barkley or, or let Saquon Barkley go, whoever they bring in is unlikely to be as good as Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a, the, the Panthers traded Christian McCaffrey. And, and don't get me wrong, the Panthers have looked good, but... They, yeah, traded him might, with, yeah. they traded him to the San Francisco 49ers and the 49ers have looked extremely good with Christian McCaffrey. Um, they've stepped up. Yeah. They've totally stepped up. Josh Jacobs, if the Raiders let Josh Jacobs go, then they will be worse in the running game unless by some miracle they find another extraordinarily talented uh, individual. Mm-hmm. I just Because these teams are not like teams that we've seen in the past where you had, the, I mean, the obvious uh, answer to this is the Dallas Cowboys, who for years have had an incredible offensive line. And you could put anyone back there. They, they worked with DeMarco Murray and Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. You just, you just plug and play your, your running backs in. They're going to get yards. They're going to get touchdowns because you've got a good run scheme and you've got a good offensive line. Uh, a lot of other teams don't have that luxury, so you need that talent at the position. If the Giants let Barkley go, it's it's insanity. Uh-huh. They'd, they'd be much better just get rid of the quarterback and bring in another quarterback. Plug You can plug in a quarterback into this system. When you've got a running back who's that good, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. Yeah. So, sorry, that was my... No, I, I, I think you're completely right. I, I, they, they need to. I mean, if, if they want a good seat, a, a good next few seasons, I think they have to get Barkley. They, they, they have to sign him, uh, re-sign him, basically. Um, and Daniel Jones, I, I don't know. I don't know about Daniel Jones. Uh, I, I think there's, he, he's fighting for his career at this point, but he's come out fighting. He's come out swinging. To in fairness to him, he's had, he's had up, up games and down games. Is he is he someone that you want to be leading your franchise for the next few years? Depends who you go to. Um, Honest, honestly, honestly, no, no, no I don't, he's, I don't, he's not. No, no. I think he he might he may be suitable for a team like the Falcons. Uh, you know, you know, some someone. I mean, Marriott is awful, so I, I think Daniel Jones might slot in there quite nicely. But yeah, I, I think the Giants need to just seriously consider. Um, of just throwing money at Barkley at this point, um, kind of along the same lines that McCaffrey was uh, going to be going to be earning at the Panthers. Um, I mean, it, the Giants have a young team; they don't have huge standout performers, which I think they would need to progress to the next level. The Vikings, on the other hand, have a few of them, and you know, between Justin Jefferson, T.J. Hawkinson was probably one of the trades of the year. I I feel he was great at the Lions. And then he got traded to the Vikings. I don't understand why. A divisional rival as well. That was a really questionable, bad decision. So it's, be- it's um, because it's because he wasn't performing at the Lions. He wasn't performing to so the standard. Th- of thought yeah. So they they traded him, thinking that he was the problem. Clearly, he wasn't, he wasn't yeah. the problem. 
You know, no. but we, I don't know how many times we've seen this uh, in the past. Uh, I think we should probably move on, though, David. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is going to be a long podcast. <laughs> uh, so we then come to the NFC matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Washington Commanders. Now, Taylor Heineke started this game for the Commanders. Carson Wentz finished it, uh, but neither of them combined could cope with the might that is Brock Purdy. And the San Francisco 49ers come away with a 37-20 win. Um, yeah, I don't really know what you can say about this because both Heineke and Wentz played well in this game. Um, running the ball, neither team did particularly well running the ball with the exception of one fantastic run by Ray-Ray McLeod to open the scoring for the 49ers. Um, but this 49ers defense, again, just getting it done when it matters most. And they kept the commanders in check and did enough for Brock Purdy to win another game. Dave, over to you. Just It was just an onslaught. It, it, it was just, it, yeah, I mean, the commanders did well. Um, but they should have scored more than 20 points. And they, they, this season... I've praised their rushing their rushing game. Now, the 49ers shut that down straight away. The only the only kind of yardage gained on the ground was by Byron Rob Robinson and he twenty two carries for fifty eight yards. It's not really good enough. Heineke didn't play bad. Wentz didn't play bad. They both played well. There was one pick from Heineke, but apart from that, he played really well. And it looks like Carson Wentz is going to be starting next week as well. So I'm disappointed for Taylor Heineke because I think he deserves that starting spot. Uh, I, I really do. I think it's a wrong decision. Um, they, they, on defense, the commanders, I, I think 37 points is a bit harsh on them. I think it was just how good the 49ers were in being competent, basically. Um, and because they, they managed to get three sacks, uh, they got they got an interception as well, so a bit of a black mark on Brock Purdy there, but he, he did he did well for the rest of the game. 15 of 22, 234 yards, two touchdowns. Obviously, uh, they had the big rushing play with uh, Ray Ray McLeod, 71 yards he went for. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, 15 carries, 46 yards. That could have quite easily been 15 carries for 15 yards, but he just managed to get those extra couple yards every single play. So he that, does, that, yeah. He, that, that shows how good he is. Uh, Kittle was amazing. Brandon Ayuk was amazing. Um, I mean, the, one of my kind of MVP candidates is Fred Warner. Uh, and also Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa got another two sacks. It, it, it just say you know it's scary how good the, the that defense is. It it worries me because I don't want them getting to the Super Bowl. I really don't want them getting there. But they are prime candidates at the moment. Nobody wants to play them, and you can't blame them. And yeah, they march on. They're eleven and four, and it's pretty much injuries. The reason they're not kind of fifteen and all. I, I would make the the argument for, but. Commanders are still in with a shout of the playoffs, but I think they need a good a good result next week. I think you're absolutely right there, Dave. So what we're going to do is we're going to move on to the next game, which was the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. And this was our Western Isles Game of the Week. It's the Western Isles Game of the Week. Yes, it's the Western Isles Game of the Week. And I am here, of course, with Jake McGee. How are you doing, Jake? I'm not too bad at all, my friend. How are you? I'm very well, very well. Did you enjoy Christmas? Did you have Did you have good time? I've had good times. I've had lots of alcohol. It's I've, I've losing track of the days, <laughs> but uh, all part of the fun. 
Oh, absolutely. I think it's uh, everybody loses track uh, in between sort of Christmas and New Year. And was Santa good to you? Santa's always good to me. You can never complain, especially at the, the grand old age of 27, you know. Wow. Santa still remembered me. But of course, you know, life doesn't stop in the NFL just because it's the holidays. Uh, we had a riveting week of action, Jake. So why don't you tell us about last week's Game of the Week? Absolutely. I'm, I'm enjoying festive football. I mean, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we are spoilt for choice. But the, the Game of the Week will be the... NFC East class um, for the for the top of the, the pops there. So despite holding the number one seed and they've had a playoff berth guaranteed since week 14, the Eagles failed to clinch the NFC East after a four-turnover defeat, 40-34, uh, to 34, uh, to the hands of, of course, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. Now, we actually had picked this one as our upset of the week. <laughs> And it didn't quite go to plan uh, because the Eagles did, of course, have their backup quarterback in uh, Gardner Minshew. I did predict he would get 400 yards. Now, he did get 355, so I don't feel too bad about that. I did also predict it would be six to nothing. <laughs> the, the difference in the score was six points. D- there you are. So, you know, clutching at straws. Clutching but, at straws. Yeah, but when everything's equal, it's a six-point win, and that's what you predicted. Yeah, yep. So there you go. I mean, you can't ask for better than that. Close enough. Um, but yeah, the, the, the game itself, I mean, Dak overcame a, a first drive pick six to Josh Sweat uh, to deliver three touchdowns on the day. 347 yards, including the huge 52-yard completion on third and 30 to the evergreen T.Y. Hilton, who was unemployed two weeks ago, uh, drew out a big um, flag on Darius Slay in the first half and then just a, a monstrous catch to keep the game alive because that pretty much felt like the game at that point. Fourth and 30. At that point, Eagles were still in control or felt like it. And after that, it just kind of felt like the the life kind of sucked out of them and everything was coming up Cowboys. It was indeed. And as we'd mentioned, uh, Gardner Minshew, he threw for two touchdown passes and ran for one as well. He did, he did play pretty well. But as you mentioned, Jake, those turnovers, what was that all about? I mean, you're always going to miss your star quarterback, but Minshew Mania, you say, through 355, two TDs, two interceptions, and that QB sneak. The two interceptions, I mean, one of them was definitely on Quez Watkins, and, uh, Quez Watkins, and the other one, questionable as well. Both times, found his receiver, and the defenders just wanted it more. I mean, the second one there, the Daron Bland, he, he literally just stole his lunch money. He, Watkins had it in his hands, and by the time he got to the ground, Bland had already took it from him. It was like taking candy from a baby. He just he just wanted it more, it felt like. Yeah, and of course, it was that awful fumble by Miles Sanders. It was just, it seemed just at the wrong time, uh, because I believe at that time it was 37-34 uh, when they got the ball, and then he fumbles the ball, immediately handing it back to the Dallas Cowboys. And of course, they, they took full advantage of that one as well. And it was just, it, it, so many times it really looked like the Eagles were going to win this. And I thought, wow, this prediction's pretty good. And it just couldn't get it going. That that I think that fumble by uh, Miles Sanders really killed off any momentum that the Eagles had at that point. It, it really did feel like it just started to slip away from them. I mean, that interception, uh, it was 34 apiece with four minutes left. That You know, the, the de- defense holds them to three, thinking, okay, we've got another chance. 
And then, then they have that fumble, and the defense holds them to three again and gives them another chance. I mean, chance after chance. I mean, Devontae Smith had himself a game. He had eight catches for 113 yards and two touchdowns, all all while sim- seemingly robbing the Salvation Army in the uh, strangest <laughs> celebration I've seen in a while. <laughs> that was a weird one. <laughs> I, I love how if you jump into the Salvation Army, you get fined. If you rob it, A-OK, apparently. So NFL, again, with some weird... Mixed messaging. Yes, indeed, that was one of the most bizarre celebrations that I've seen. Uh, at first, I, I, would, I didn't understand what he was doing. And I'm going, on his ski mask, kick down, down the front door. Mask, kick down the door and rob the Salvation Army. It's just, it was, you know, um, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. My goodness. <laughs> just, I couldn't believe that. I was thinking, what? and I'm watching him going, what's he doing? And then, of course, it was explained what the celebration was. I thought, that's a celebration? Seriously, we're going to rob the Salvation Army. Um, it was a weird one. <laughs> not, not very Christmassy. Not very Christmassy. No, I mean, not. Uh, another one uh, that stood out. Another wide receiver was CD Lamb. I mean, just going from strength to strength, he had ten catches, one hundred twenty yards, and two touchdowns himself. I mean, there was no shortage of weapons out on that field. I mean, AJ Brown had a, a big completion on the first drive. Uh, there was plenty of talent. Um, two of the the NFC's best teams, the Eagles still should be the number one seed. Uh, they should definitely win the NFC East. I mean, I think they could lose out and still possibly win it. So it's not the end of the world for them. Uh, it's not great for my Saints because now we've got a rather annoyed Eagles team beating us this week. Uh, bold prediction there, um, but it's good for Dallas. Even if they end up being the fifth seed, you do not want to be coming up against the fifth team. Um, so that'll be would that be the NFC South that's going to play Dallas in the first round? Yeah, I believe it will be, um, and that should be. Uh, well, we think it's going to be the Buccaneers probably winning that division. Uh, it'll be the Bucks. It it probably will be the Bucks. Well, I hope it's not. I hope it's not. But it probably will be the Buccaneers. A losing record going into that one. Uh, Who doesn't want to see Sam Donald in a wild card weekend? What's that? Who doesn't want to see Sam Donald on a wildcard? I would, I would love nothing more. I would be, I would be so delighted to see the 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 Panthers, uh, or the Saints, uh, or the Falcons, or anyone. <laughs> well, the Saints made their bed on that Monday night collapse against the Bucks. How different the NFC South would look if they didn't suffer that collapse. So that's when Saints have been playing well last few weeks. Uh, Saints Twitter has just been. Very upset about how that Monday night game ended against the Bucks, and uh, yeah, we've basically gifted them the title. I mean, it's if the Panthers beat them, uh, obviously but that base that game is winning. You're in almost, so it'll be a, an interesting game that one. But Saints Twitter is very upset at, at Saints fans, um, and quite rightly so, I would think. Yeah, that was a, a, a terrible loss, unfortunately. But I'm not going to have a go at your Saints, Jake. Uh, after considering the result of my own team had at the weekend, which I'm not going to talk about just now. Uh, so there we go. That's our game of the week. Thank you very much, Jake. No problem, anytime. So thanks very much for that, Jake. Uh, so Dave, I mean, the one thing I took from this, right? So the Dallas Cowboys last week lost by a score of 40 to 34. And then this week, <laughs> won by a score of 40 to 34. Now, I spoke to Tim, uh, <laughs> Tim Durbin, the voice, does all the voiceovers for us, voice of the Winnipeg mm-hmm. show, um, mm-hmm. and he said, I wonder what the chances are 
of a weird score like that back to back happening for a team. Dave, I mean it was an exciting game, Dave, but but did you did you notice anything in particular yourself on this one? Uh I noticed that the Cowboys were struggling to protect Dak. That was something that really worried me about them going forward. Um because I'm pretty sure they smashed sack him was it six times in the game? I think it's six times. Uh whereas on the other side, Gardner Minshew didn't get sacked once, but Gardner Minshew, who I said last week I'm not big on, I'm not a fan of Gardner Minshew. He just Minshew No, 2440, 355 yards. Just not quite good enough. Two touchdowns, but the two picks, though. So, you know, sometimes he was forcing the ball, and I think one of them wasn't really his fault. But uh, the Eagles couldn't run the ball whatsoever, really missing Jalen Hurts in that game. Uh, they did. They racked up 34 points, which... See, I that's... Yeah, see, I was going to say that. You say they, they missed him, but they, they, they got 34 points. It's not Minshew's fault that the defense allowed 40. I, I, that, that, I that's, mean, that's not him. I, I the Eagles' defense has not been that bad this year. Well, it was um, it was last week. They allowed forty points. Well, yes, but they, <laughs> I mean they, they they also got they also got that turnover early in the game. They did now, indeed. Yeah, I, 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 I think as Jake mentioned, the the fumble that that fumble from Miles Sanders at the end was just awful. That yeah, that him. yeah that that was pretty poor, and it killed any momentum that they had as well. But um, yeah, the, at the start of this game, this was a game that I came to see you uh, to to play Santa and drop off your amazing gift. So wow. uh, when I left the house, it was three three nil to the Eagles. Um, Jake Elliott getting the the field goal. Mm-hmm. Now when I came back, it was the end of the first quarter, and it was ten seven. So you know, I, I I thought, oh, here we go. I've, I've missed a good first quarter. Uh, it's going to be a boring rest of the game. Oh, was I wrong? Yeah, I was so wrong because it was just end to end stuff. Garner Minshew, he did. He also ran in for that touchdown. I think it was um, just before halftime, uh, if I remember rightly. Um, but he, he threw two touchdowns twice to Devontae Smith, one in each quarter. It was quite a, pretty much the beginning of the quarter. But then, I, I just that that. Uh, that kind of um that 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 fumble by Sanders in the fourth quarter was pretty pretty bad. Uh, he, there was he, he just he should have been ball security. We talk about it quite often. Should have been a lot better. That field goal uh, kind of put them six points ahead. I mean the Eagles didn't need a field goal to tie. They needed the touchdown basically to win, and they just couldn't get it done. So, um, <laughs> I, I mean Jake summed it up uh, pretty pretty well in his report, but at the same time. This is going to be a fascinating Super Bowl rivalry between the two of them because whoever gets the 49ers, I think that game will decide between uh, who gets to face the Eagles, I think, in the NFC Championship game. And Ooh. if it's these two teams, I'm really looking forward to it. I think, obviously, I think it's going to be the Cowboys um, that, get, that, that, that will end up facing the 49ers. I think that... Well, actually, thinking of the records... The Vikings are right are are right up there, so it could be a kind of Eagles, Cowboys, Vikings, Forty There's a lot of scenarios that could play out, but if if we get games like this in the playoffs, we're going to be spoiled, absolutely spoiled, worse than Santa spoils us. So <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that the the Cowboys are impressive. I think I I I'm still I'm not convinced about Dak, but you know he he's had a good few solid games. 347 yards he got in this one, three touchdowns, 27 of 35. That's impressive numbers in itself. 
CD Lamb was just on point in this game. 10 receptions, 120 yards, two touchdowns for him as well. But the, the Eagles need Jalen Hurts back. Uh, I really think, because apart from his mobility, I think he, he's been quite competent uh, throwing it as well. Gardner Minshew is no, by no means a slouch, um, but he was staying in the pocket a lot, and I think he could have done with using his legs a lot more. So, um, yeah, Cowboys march on 11 4, Eagles 13 and 2 now. Yeah, 13 2 for the Eagles. So, so the Cowboys 11 4, Eagles the into the the mm-hmm. Vikings are 12 and 3. It's, it's exciting yeah. at the top of the NFC. It really uh-huh. is. So we then move to the AFC and we come to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Las Vegas Raiders at Akershire Stadium. Oh. In front of 64,761 fans. And uh, the Steelers come away with a 13-10 win. They were losing 10-3 right up. Right up. Until, um, you know, five minutes gone in the fourth quarter. And they were still 10-6, but with 46 seconds to go. George Pickens throws a 14-yard touch. Oh, sorry, I beg your pardon. Kenny Pickett. I keep getting yeah. the names wrong. <laughs> Kenny Pickett throws a touchdown pass to George Pickens. Um, 14 yards for the score with 46 seconds to go and they come away with a 13-6 win over the Raiders and the fallout from this game, Dave. Well, do you know what? I'll let you talk about it. I mean, the fallout is, is that Derek Carr looks done at the Raiders. Because he's uh, been benched for next week. Madness. And he's also, I think it's actually financially motivated. Because. What, is it, is it to avoid paying him a bonus or something? Uh, he's also, I think he's, he's going to get paid or he's due to be paid $5 million uh, by the Raiders coming up. To, I think it's three days after either the Super Bowl or after the regular season finishes. So I, I'm expecting Derek Carr to get cut. Um, very very soon. see if that is the case that's pathetic it is and um, one, pay the man his money one of the things that I noted as well in that in his entire time as a Raider he has not had a top 20 defence no in his De- entire Derek, time see Derek Carr is a, a difficult person difficult player to evaluate mm-hmm. because for much of his career he's not really had a great supporting cast no, now, and I'm he's, not, be, he's I'm been not, there since he was drafted as well. Yeah, now I'm not going to sit here and say that, uh, oh, if he had, you know, uh, good players around him, he would he would look like, you know, Aaron Rodgers did or, you know, or Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to say that. That's a ridiculous thing to say. But I think he's a lot better than a lot of people give him um, not credit for. It, uh, he's better than his evaluations. Now, he did throw three interceptions in this game. Yeah. He did not play well in this game. Mm-hmm. I, I will accept that. And for mo- much of the season, he's not played at the level I think people were expecting him to play. But he's had no help. Other than Josh Jacobs, who has been outstanding for much of this year, he's had really very little help and took another three sacks in this game. And um, if if they're cutting him or you know, if they're, you know, they're benching him for money purposes... That's that's appalling. He has been with this franchise, as you've said. You know, they drafted him. Mm-hmm. He's been there from day one. And they're just going to cut him loose. That, that, that's terrible. I'll tell you what. Do you know what should happen? The New York Giants should pick up Derek Carr. That's not a bad show. That's what they should do. They should get shot at Daniel Jones and get Derek Carr, a proven veteran, 
a guy that you know can play, a guy that you know is an upgrade over what you've already got. And um, he would do much better the Giants and doing the Raiders because I don't think this franchise treats him well. And, and no. I know people talk about, you know, oh, well, you know, he's had this amount of losses and that. Wins and losses are not a QB stat. Stop doing it. Stop saying it. This is maybe the ultimate team sport. Now, you can argue the quarterback is the most important player on that team. Yes, I will mm-hmm. absolutely accept that. But quarterbacks are not responsible for wins and losses in general. Sometimes they are. Looking at you, Russell Wilson. Sometimes they are. But in general, they're not. So if they're doing this, Dave, ah, I, it makes me sick to think. Now, the, the Raiders are a division rival of the Broncos. I don't like the Raiders. But it's the organization I don't like. And this is just another reason for me not to like this organization. Sorry, that's my rant over. No, I, no I, I, there's nothing I disagree with you on that. I think the way they've treated him is pretty appalling because we know his, re- his records, it, you know, it, you look at his stats uh, alone because he's got career rec- records, a uh, quarterback rating of over 90. And he, he's done, I don't think he's done much wrong. He's had a couple bad games. But I, I think they're they're making the wrong decision. You should be backing your franchise quarterback. And if it, like like you said, uh, if it is financially motivated, which it looks like is a big possibility, that's wrong. He's missed two games in his entire Raiders career. It's only two games through, uh, basically through injury. Um, you know, he's 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 got a, uh, an average career rating of ninety one point eight. And that, that's including- a good rating. Inclu- yeah, their their first year back in Vegas or or in Vegas, sorry, um, his rating was a hundred and one point four. Now he's had a bit of a drop off this year because he's he's done it eighty six point three because he's had he's had a, he's had fourteen interceptions this year. Um, he's not had the best in regards to passing yards. He's currently thirteen hundred yards down on last year, uh, which is quite a drop off. But he's just not he's not at the sport. He's had, he's had Devontae Adams. Which obviously that that's a huge that's a big deal, and you know he he's getting paid by the Raiders, but Devontae Adams came out and said he's what Derek Carr is one of the reasons he went to the Raiders in the first place. He's one of the main reasons he went there, and now after one year they're binning him. I don't get it. Uh, I I don't know. It, the thing is though, you can you can get rid of players all you want, but who do you replace them with? Because I, I the rate they don't I don't think they've got they don't have any first rounders. I don't think. And I'm not actually sure what they. I mean, what they traded for Devontae Adams? Did they trade a first round for him? I think they did. They did. I um, feel like they did. Yeah. yeah I mean, Derek. Derek. Daniel had, Jones. <laughs> Daniel Jones. Well, but, but that's what I'm saying. I can understand a team like the Giants getting rid of Daniel Jones. I understand that. Yeah. I can understand the Falcons, as you said. You know, getting rid of Mariota. I absolutely understand that. I don't understand the readers getting rid of Derek Carr unless unless they've seen someone who they know is going to be like a third round pick in the draft this year who they think well he's he's evaluated the third round we think he's a first round we're going to take a flyer on him and we're going to get him in and we're going to release Derek Carr I mean I, that almost makes sense but cutting him for money that's just ah no no. The Raiders are an appalling organisation. Just awful. I'm I'm done. Right, Dave, let's move on. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, <laughs> let's move, move on. on. Oh, by the way, the Steelers won that game. Um, 13-10. So 13-10. Yeah. The Steelers won the game. You know, one of the most stable organizations in the entire NFL, Pittsburgh Steelers. So there Scra- we go. Scrappy, scrappy and stable, the Mike, Mike Tomlin way. Uh, absolutely. So we then moved to the Miami Dolphins and the Green Bay Packers on Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium in front of 66,328 fans. Watched the Packers come in and defeat the Miami Dolphins by a score of 26-20. Moves the Packers up to 7-8. and eight, Moves the Dolphins down to 8-7. and seven, And that really hurts their playoff chances uh, with that loss. Uh, but Dave, we look at this and there's talk again about Tua Tagovailoa. He might be out for this week uh, again. Um, Aaron Rodgers looked okay in this game. Tagovailoa looked really good in this game, but he did throw some bad picks. Mm-hmm. And um, Dave, it's over to you. Third concussion of the year for Tua. That, that he, he, should, he shouldn't play for the rest of the year. No, he shouldn't. He, he, even if they make the playoffs, he should not play. I, I, I genuinely think he, he is... He's, and put his own health in serious danger. We've seen what's happened with players in the not-so-distant past. We, we've seen how badly things can go wrong. The helmets that they have are to basically stop fractures of the skull. Now, they, they have nothing against concussions, against any kind of serious impact that it could have on you know any part of the head except from to stop the fracturing of the skull. Tua is... Put, not just putting his uh, career in jeopardy, he's putting his life in jeopardy, and we don't want that uh, whatsoever. But just to bring it back and focus on the game, he did throw three picks, which were bad. They they, they weren't good. I'm, I think his um, his decision-making was affected by that undiagnosed concussion. He wasn't showing any concussion signs, which I think you, you, there's not a lot of blame put on the NFL or the Dolphins in that regard, but they've taken him, they put him in his concussion protocol now, when they've realised what could be the situation. So that that's the only kind of good thing I can say about it. He was throwing bombs uh, down the field. His, his long passing was quite good. And Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, you know, doing what they do best, both racking up over 100 yards. Packers on the other side had a... They, they, they had a mixed game. They couldn't run the ball. Uh, they had to rely on Aaron Rodgers getting him out of a few holes, but... Third down, they were 2 of 14 Ooh. in the entire game. That's pretty heavy. And Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't take a lot of sacks, went down twice in the game. Tua went down twice as well, obviously, uh, getting a few hits. Um, Rodgers also threw a touchdown, which is almost a collector's item. Uh, but he, yeah, I mean, he, he was targeting Christian Watson, Alan Lazard, as he does. Uh, between the two of them, 11 receptions for 110 yards. I feel like it was the Green Bay defense that kind of stepped up a lot in this game because between uh, Preston Smith, I've been really impressed with Preston Smith um, in the last few games especially, and uh, Jaron Reed also, who they both got a sack each, but they got nine tackles and two assists between them. Um, Jair Alexander, just he kind of hid from Tua for that that pick, and I was quite impressed with that. But the Packers, I, I, I thought they were out, but... Mm-hmm. I, I said it two weeks ago. I think the Packers are out of the playoff race. Oh, I am wrong. They are right in it. And the next couple of weeks are going to be huge for them. 
They are indeed, um, I mean, this week that we've got coming up, the uh, Green Bay Packers have got the Minnesota Vikings, NFC North uh, NFC North matchup there. But yeah, I'm with you with two, two who should not play for the rest of the season. Regardless yeah. of what happens, he should not play the rest of the season. If they march him out there because they're in a playoff game, then hell mend them. That's just irresponsible playing with uh, someone's career. And as you said, possibly someone's life. Concussions are no laughing matter. Exactly. Um, so we then come to the next game, Dave. <laughs> We're at the next game, Dave. <sighs> <laughs> so sure, I'll, let, I'll let you go first in this game. Okay. So the Denver Broncos travel to SoFi Stadium to take on the Los Angeles Rams in front of 71,525 fans. A couple mm-hmm. of things I took away from this one. Cam Akers... Scored three touchdowns. He looked really good in this game. Baker mm. Mayfield threw four, count them, one, two, three, four incompletions. That's mm-hmm. the same number as interceptions the Broncos threw, <laughs> including a pick <laughs> six. It was an absolute embarrassment the, for the Broncos. Not for the Rams. Rams no. played really well. They come away with a 51 14 win over the Denver Broncos. And uh, as a result of this, Nathaniel Hackett has been fired as the coach of the Denver Broncos. <laughs> now, now I've said, all through preseason, in fact, when we first started this podcast, I always said, um, I don't believe in firing coaches mid-season. Mm-hmm. Because in, in, their, in their first year. I don't believe yeah. in it because, you know, you've got to give people time. And I've always said this. This is not something I just said since I started doing this podcast. I've always said this. You can't fire a coach after one year. You've got to give him time. And then I think it was after week one when I was calling for Nathaniel Hackett's head. But that's because, and there's a caveat to this, it's because it was the worst coaching decisions of all time. Yeah. That he was doing. And this is why I was calling for Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, because he was just, he was completely incompetent and so far over his head, he didn't have a clue what was going on. there In this game, there was fighting on the Broncos' sidelines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dalton Reisner got into it with Brett Rippon. Um, now, they, they immediately made up. And Dalton Reisner then came on, you know, a press conference and said, yeah, my emotions got the better of me. I immediately apologized to him. We hugged. We're good. We're fine. It's just frustration. And that's what this entire season has been. And the, the, the Broncos defense, which has been stellar all year, just could do nothing, absolutely nothing to stop uh, the Rams. And... Now, I believe they've also fired their uh, special teams coach, quite right, because the Broncos are the worst team in metrics and special teams in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. Look at the worst special teams in the NFL. The worst red zone offense in the NFL. The worst third down offense in the NFL. The worst touchdown percentage in the NFL. It's just, it's like the worst. It's not like the Broncos have been bad. They've been the worst. The, 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 uh, I'm not going to go on, Dave, because I know you want to talk about your team uh, because they, had, they played really well. Really, really well. And I'm giving props to them because the Rams have had a rough year. But the Rams have yeah. an excuse for a rough year. 
You lost injuries. your quarterback. Your starting yeah. quarterback. You lost your best offensive weapon in Cooper Cup. You've had some terrible injuries on the offensive line, on the defense. You've had some awful injuries. The Broncos don't have that excuse. Yes, they've had injuries. And some of them have been terrible. They lost their number one uh, rusher. They lost number one receiver. They lost number two receiver. They lost offensive lineman. Yes, I get that. But it's been the play call. We've said it all year. It's been the play calling. This team has been terrible because of the coaching. George Payton, the general manager, still has a job. I think he's very thankful that he still has a job. Because let's not forget the owners of the Broncos. The Walton Penner Group, the guys who own Walmart, mm-hmm. they didn't hire George Payton. They didn't hire Nathaniel Hackett. They didn't trade for Russell Wilson. This all, they bought this team after all this had happened. So they're going to be looking at this going, this is an absolute, just, you know, it's, it's like a car wreck what this team is this year. So they're going to be looking for someone to blame because they're paying the money. They're paying yeah. these people's wages. So Nathaniel Hackett's gone. The um, special teams coordinator is gone. One of the offensive coordinators is gone. Um, they're, they're doing that. George Peyton will be thanking his lucky stars. He still has a job. They need to fix this. And they came out this week and said, Russell Wilson is fixable. <laughs> now, so two things I'm taking from this, Steve. Mm. First of all, um, that's good to hear. Yes. It's, it's good to hear that he's fixable. But on the flip side of that, he shouldn't need fixed. Yes. It's like you, you, you mortgaged the house for this guy. And then before he'd played a single snap, one snap, because he didn't play preseason. That's true. Not a single snap in preseason. You then give him a five-year quarter of a billion dollar extension. Now, whoever made that decision, I don't know whose idea that was. Because George Payton can't do that. He has to go to the owner and say, are you going to pay the money? Because it's not this isn't coming out of George Payton's money. This comes from the owners. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with me signing a five-year extension, quarter of a billion dollars to this guy that we've signed, that we've traded all these draft picks for and players, and he's not thrown a single pass in a game situation, even in preseason, somebody okayed this and went, "Yes, that's fine." If I'm the owner of the Broncos, I'm like, "No, absolutely." Now I was excited when Russell Wilson came to this team. I was. Yeah, but you you were also concerned about what they had given up for him. Yeah, I I I said they'd given up too much. I mm-hmm. said that. I said you've you've given up too much for a player and, and a good player. Because I was convinced, and I still am convinced, Russell Wilson is a good player. I just don't think he's got any um, impetus. He's got no motivation to play well. And he just keeps just regurgitating the same, oh, I need to play better, I need to play better, I need to play better. Then play better. You're not the player you were five years ago. You cannot run around in the backfield and outrun guys. Okay, so... Change your game. You can't do it. When you get great quarterbacks, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Tom Tom Brady knows his limitations. Yes. 
He knows what he cannot do. If his first read is not there and he sniffs pressure, that ball is out incomplete. That ball, that ball is into the dirt at the running back's feet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because Tom Brady, despite the fact that I go on, and I know I go on about Tom Brady um, constantly, <laughs> and I know I do, um, he's not a stupid player. No? Is that what your book told you? I, I haven't even opened it. <laughs> but he's not, right? He's not a stupid player. He knows. If his first read's not there, he's not running around. No. He, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's he not Jalen yeah. Hurts or, or even he, he can't extend the play anymore. No, he can't. So he goes, Reed's not there. Is there any pressure? Yes, ball's gone. Pfft, into the mm-hmm. dark. As soon as he sees it, oh, whoa, wow, that ball's gone. Because he doesn't want to take sacks. Russell Wilson has taken so many sacks this year that have been his fault. Now, there ha- he's taken a lot of sacks that where he had no chance. No chance whatsoever. And when Brett Rippon came in, who is an athletic guy, he took sacks at no chance whatsoever. But Russell Wilson took so many stacks because he kept trying to extend plays. And instead of it being a three-yard sack, it was a 15-yard sack because he was trying to extend. Stop doing that. Anyway, Dave, I'm sorry. I went on. I do apologize. It's your Los Angeles Rams. They kick. Oh, I'll bleep that out. They kicked bottom in this game. <laughs> they really did. I'll bleep that one out. Um, talk to us. Tell us about your Rams. How do you feel about this? Well, I'll start on three very light points um, that Riley Dixon had the night off because the Rams didn't punt once in the game. (laughs) (laughs) That that was, uh, I I, I think the Broncos defense on that point, uh, they're just burnt out from the entire season, I think at this point. Uh, And you can't blame them for that. Um, the other thing is that uh, Russ Wilson has now equaled the amount of bathrooms that he's got in his house this season. So he's got 12, 12 touchdowns, 12 bathrooms. Uh, so that's a light point. So he's got he's got a target for the rest of the season to get one touchdown. Um, and the other one... Now, did you see the video of Matt Gay on Twitter by any chance? I don't think so, no. So what happened was that um, Russell Wilson was getting pressured by the Rams' defense. Uh, he actually he got, I think it was sacked six times in the game uh, by a, just a brilliant defensive line performance without Aaron Donald as well. So that was really impressive. But he was getting pressured, so he threw the ball away. The ball went straight to where Matt Gay was chilling on his bench, hit him in the knee, and Matt Gay... Gave the perform Oscar performance of his lifetime, pretending that he was injured because <laughs> Russ Wilson had tar- Russ Wilson had targeted him with with the ball, and he was laughing his head off at the time as well. So, um, good good comedy performance from Mackey there. Um, emergence of a few players now. If you recall, I doubt you will, but about halfway through the season. I said that there was a young player that I thought was going to be really good in the future. I was calling for Eric Kendrick to be dropped from uh, basically uh, cornerback number two um, because Troy Hill was out injured. So they had brought in Eric Kendrick uh, across from Jalen Ramsey. I was calling for him to be dropped for the young cornerback, Jacoby Durant. Now, Durant not only had two picks, but he returned one of them for a pick six. And he is quick as well. He is fast. 
And this was probably his breakout game to really push for next year as one of the main starters within the team. Uh, another one on, on defense that really showed up uh, was someone that we picked off uh, waivers uh, for the defensive line, and Laurel Murchison. Now mm-hmm. he was at, he was on the Titans for the last three years. He was a fifth round pick, um, but he was he was cut by the Titans, and he was picked up on December twelfth by the Rams off off waivers. He came into this game, and he had two sacks, multiple pressures, and four tackles in the game. Just amazing. And the final point I want to make on the Rams' defense is, why is Bobby Wagner not going to that Pro Bowl? Highest-rated linebacker in the league. Five tackles in this game. He sacked Russell Wilson, and he picked off Russell Wilson in an amazing play where he just took it out of Greg Dulwich's hand. Just amazing. And then that play where Jalen Ramsey picked it off to Russell Wilson, that from Russell Wilson, that was ridiculously bad from Wilson. Ridiculous, ridiculous decision making. No, I mean, if, I mean Rus- Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was benched. He That's was. how bad he was playing. Yeah. The, the one that he threw, the, the the Bobby Wagner one. How he didn't see Bobby Wagner standing there. Is, it's not like he's a small guy. No. Yeah, I'm thinking, what are you doing here? But yeah, Russell Wilson was benched in favor of Brett Rippon. Um, he, he, he should he not. Play, he should not play the rest of the year. But did, did you see? I think it was Cortland Sutton's reaction. Yeah. When Wilson didn't throw it to him, and then he launched it forty yards, fifty yards down into the end zone, and Ramsey's just waiting there like a ball hawk, boom, straight into him, takes it, and yeah, it, it was. I I think that was. It, I think it flattered the Rams. Fifty-one points flatters the Rams in this game. Cam Akers did a lot of good things in the game, and he was getting a lot of yards after contact as well, which is rare for Cam Akers. So I don't know where he's been all year. But Baker's completion record was just ridiculous. At one point, he was was he not like 13 of 13, 14 of 14? Uh, I'm, um, I'm not sure how he started the game. But yeah, yeah, he, it, it, yeah he, he just kept going. It was a streak that just didn't seem to end. And you know, it was 24, 28, 230 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and Tyler Higby becomes the tight end of the Rams with most touchdowns in a career. So big up Tyler Higby. He got nine receptions for 94 yards, two touchdowns as well. Uh, also, the other uh, tight end who was also one of our random stats, Bryson Hopkins, three receptions for 57 yards. And he, he almost went uh, on a massive play as well uh, to the end zone, but he couldn't quite get it done. Uh, Van Jeff- Ron Jefferson, he did okay. He was targeted a good few times, but the ones that Baker missed were mostly to him. Uh, three receptions for 19 yards. But yeah, it, it's it was a complete performance by the Rams. But I, I, I don't want to say that you know I, I don't want to say it was McVeigh against Hackett because I I genuinely think that Mc, uh, it, Hackett was outcoached by McVeigh here, and I don't say that very often about McVeigh because he tends to go up against battles against other coaches and either wins or loses. It's rare that he gets outcoached. Like Belichick in the Super Bowl outcoached him. I think he outcoached Nathaniel Hackett here and ultimately was a final nail in the coffin of Nathaniel Hackett. To be fair, you could have taken a rabid hedgehog and that would have outcoached Nathaniel Hackett in this game. It's just absolutely <laughs> who, pathetic. Well, just finally, before we move on, who do you want to see? Or who who do you think will be the next one? And who do you want to see? Who do I think will be the next one? Uh, next I, I, coach, I, yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea. I think 
What they need to do is... Um, do you know who I'd like to see? Mm. Jim Harbaugh. There was rumours about him. I'd, I'd like to see Jim Harbaugh. That's a guy you know can coach. Mm-hmm. Bring in someone true. that you know can coach. Don't don't do don't do it like what the Colts did. Jeff Saturday carry on. No, that that that's bring in an that, actual coach. <clears throat> well, well, I think one of the people that may have been sound, sounded out is uh, Dan Quinn. Uh, yeah, I'd I'd have no issues with Dan Quinn. But see, the thing is, I I don't I I don't like have my oh I don't want him coming here. I don't want him. I'm, I'm not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll happily take any coach who knows how to coach, yeah, and who knows I mean, how to you know call timeouts when they're supposed to, or run mm-hmm. the ball when it's third and inches. God, you know, I'll take the job myself if I thought I would make the yeah. team win. Well, th- there's there's currently um, four favorites uh, in Vegas, basically, you know, on the on the Vegas betting lines. So we've got Dan Quinn as mm-hmm. one of the leading front runners. We've got Sean Payton, who's oh. a p- potentially been sounded out, which you will snatch and remortgage your own house to see that. Yep. Uh, you, um, you've also got Frank Reich. I like which, Frank Reich. I think Frank Reich got a total bum deal in Indianapolis. Mm, yeah. I, do. I, 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 I think I he was do. a victim yeah, of circumstance. Yeah. And you've also got Jim Harbaugh. All right. I, do you know what? I'd be happy with any of those guys. I think they would all be an improvement, oh, a massive, huge improvement. Yes. And also the other one is D'Amico Ryans. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, yeah. He, um, he, he's, well, D'Amico um, Ryans is young. Uh, and, you know, a lot, all these teams seem, you know, obviously because Sean McVay went to Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. We, we've spoken about it before. He... He sent. He sent, or he he almost set a trend of the teams looking for this young new coach that you know coming out and then yeah. kind of reinvigorating everything. Um, because well, what I do know about Demico Ryan's was he was interviewed for the Vikings uh, vacancy, but he declined um, the, a second interview um, because he was um, he just wasn't certain about the organization. So I think that's. Well, that was a wrong. Um, <laughs> that was a wrong decision. But he's currently a defense coordinator of the Forty ers isn't he? I think he is. Yeah, and that I. I mean, I. I. If the Broncos can keep their defense together, and who's the, who's the Broncos defensive coordinator? Um, Ejiro Evero. That's the one. I knew. I, I knew he had a great. They, they need to do I, everything they can to keep him there. That's why I was going to say, but I think they need to keep him as defensive coordinator yes, yes. and then get he, in maybe actually, a, an offensive-minded coach. I think they actually offered him the interim head coach uh, and he turned it down. That would be good, but Which I'm wondering if I'm good. wondering if his head has been turned from elsewhere, though. I hope not. I really so hope do not. I. For your sake, I hope not. But I, I, I think um, getting D'Amico Ryan in would maybe not be the best move. I think Frank Reich or Sean Payton would be immense for you. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So there we go, Dave. That was the Rams. That was the Broncos. Yeah, Let's move on. We've, I enjoyed we've, that. Well, we've got two games to go. I'm sure you did. We've got two <laughs> games to go. Um, and over at State Farm Stadium, in front of 63,393 people, fans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Arizona Cardinals watched Tom Brady get outplayed by Trace McSorley and still win. So there you go. <laughs> 
What can you say about that? Against the, the Cardinals' third-string quarterback. Oh, my word. The luck on this guy. Mm-hmm. Unreal. Anyway, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come away with a 19-16 win against the Arizona Cardinals in overtime. Tied mm. up at 16 going in there. And Ryan Suckup kicked a 40-yard field goal, 341 to go in overtime, so that the Buccaneers come away with a 19-16 victory. Dave, what did you make? I mean, get get your bleeper ready because crap beats crap in this game. That's pretty much the the... the the, the summary, I would say, because the Bucks were awful. Uh, the Cardinals were awful. Um, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins with one reception for four yards. Uh, Craig Dortch was the, the main player for the Cardinals' offense. He got 10 receptions for 98 yards. Mm-hmm. James Conner, 15 carries for 79 yards and a touchdown, and he also got seven receptions for 41 yards. But, yeah, it was poor from both teams. Field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. Touchdown each, field goal each, and then somehow they get up, they get down the field and for the field goal in overtime. But it, this was poor. The Bucks do not deserve to be in the playoffs whatsoever. Um, they're seven and eight. They're top of the division. It just shows how how poor the NFC South has been this year. And yeah, the alleged goat somehow marches on. And of his um, forty eight pass attempts, he had a thirty two uh, thirty two completions. 281 yards, one touchdown, but he was picked off two times. Since his streak of 399 uh, throws without an interception uh, has ended, he's thrown an interception every game for the alleged GOAT. So what I take from this is that the Cardinals need Kyler back. Um, The Buccaneers need a complete overhaul. Um... Leonard Fournette was good for once uh, all season, and both defenses were pretty good actually. Uh, and my player of the game was Levante David at linebacker, who just seemed to snuff out every single play that the Cardinals were drawing up. So um, big shout out to him. But uh, yeah, it, it was one of the worst games I've seen all year. Even though it's you know there was a bit more points than say Broncos Colts game, but this was up there. And speaking of those Indianapolis Colts, they were playing at Lucas Oil oh. Stadium and home to the Los Angeles Chargers in front of 65,576 fans. And here's the thing. So the Colts benched Matt Ryan. They did. In favour of Nick Foles. Um, seemingly thinking that it's Matt Ryan's fault that they lost that game the other week, mm. then, the, the comeback. So Nick Foles comes in and plays like hot garbage, throws three picks, no <laughs> touchdowns, and uh, the <laughs> Chargers come away with a 20-3 win, vindicating Matt Ryan. Um, I don't know why Matt Ryan was benched. It's not, not his fault. Second Absolutely time. not his fault. But this is what happens. You, you blame a quarterback for wins and losses. And they shouldn't have done it. Uh, Nick Foles was just utterly useless in this game Dave it was the it was the Monday night game it was hard to watch I I struggled watching this one and I didn't stay up to watch it I watched this on replay and I struggled to stay awake in this game the Colts were so bad and so ineffective in this game the the only thing that looked remotely half decent was Zach Moss had a few nice runs uh, and that was it other than that, they did nothing, and the Colts come away with a very easy win. Dave, over to you. 
Uh, yeah, this was a really bad game as well. I, you, um, Justin Herbert made a lot of kind of short completions as well. Um, yeah, he, 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 he was pretty competent. 24 31, 235 yards. He didn't throw a touchdown. He did throw one pick. Um, but I, I think that might, that wasn't his fault, if I remember rightly. Austin Eckler had two touchdowns. Uh, I mean, welcome back, Keenan Allen and um, Mike Williams. Excuse me, I've got the hiccups. Uh, Mike Williams came back into the game, and he, he had uh, at least one big pickup. Uh, he had four receptions for 76 yards. Colts, I mean, Nick Foles, 17 of 29, 143 yards, three picks. Oh, no. This is this is not good, Ouch. and uh, yeah, it was bad. And they, they they no touchdowns in the game. They got three points um, in the second quarter, if I remember rightly. Uh, was yeah. it just was it, yeah? It was the second quarter? Um, so yeah, they they got they got it um, in the second quarter. I think it was quite close to half time as well. Uh, Cameron Dicker, the kicker, uh, got two field goals in the game. Austin Eckler was two touchdown runs. There's not a lot you can say about this game because. The Colts were so poor. The Chargers weren't even out of first gear, let alone getting into second. Um, and they didn't need to. This Colts team is just it's, it brutalised. I think they've just got to prepare for next season and try to get some sort of stability. If they've got a decent first-round pick, um, I mean, they're 4-10-1. If they've got the first-round pick, they need to... Um, basically, they need to get a quarterback, I think. I think you're right. <laughs> do you think you're? Do you think I'm right? I, 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 do you think they go with Matt Ryan for next year? No, I don't. I, I, I think, uh, I think they should, but I don't think they will. Mm. Um, it's not his fault. He's been benched twice this year. He's been we, benched we twice. Found I, out it, neither of these. He shouldn't have been benched either of these times. No, he shouldn't. Um, I just, I, I, I don't think that they will go with him. Um, they should go with them, but I don't think they will because, for some reason, the the decisions that have been made over in Indianapolis are just dumb. They're they're just dumb, dumb or decisions. To, to to sort of quote yourself, uh, hot steaming garbage. Yeah, just absolutely awful. So uh, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's it, it's it's a tough one to take sometimes uh, mm. watching these Colts, uh, and I'm not 100 percent sure what they're going to do. But there you go, Dave. That is the end of our week 16 recap. Oof. Took mm. a while. We got there in the yeah. end. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a very short break. We're going to come back. We're going to have our awards for the year. Um, we're going to have our um, week 17 rapid fire preview, and of course, random stats. We'll see you just after this. Welcome back to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, with Dave Somerville, and we have got our Week 17 Rapid Fire Preview. So, Dave, we're going to start off with the Thursday night game with the Dallas Cowboys, the Tennessee Titans, at the Tennessee Titans. I've got the Cowboys winning this one fairly comfortably by a score of 31-17. to Well, we're thinking along the same lines, but I think the Cowboys are just going to annihilate the Titans, and I think it's going to be by a score of 42 points to 10. Oof. We then come to the Carolina Panthers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I reckon Sam Darnold gets it done in Tampa Bay, and the Panthers come away with a sneaky win, 19-16. Yeah, we're thinking along the same lines, but I think it's going to be 20 points to 13 for the Panthers. 
We then have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to be honest, I found this one very difficult to pick. But I'm taking the Ravens at home with an overtime win, 16-13. to So close with the predictions. I, I, I'm going very along the same lines, but I think the Steelers get it done. I think the Steelers will win by 16 points to 14. We then have the New Orleans Saints at the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm sorry to say to Jake, but I've got the Eagles winning this one fairly comfortably by a score of 27-17. I think it's going to be a lot closer. Um, I I think the Eagles will come away with it. I think it's going to be 24 points to 20. And I think it just depends on how well Andy Dalton plays. We then have the Miami Dolphins at the New England Patriots. And I've got the Dolphins winning this one. They've always been the Patriots' bogey team, even though the Patriots are at home. I've got the Dolphins winning this one. Another close one, though. I've got it as 27-24. I think that this is going to be the momentum changer because I think the Patriots are going to take this one. I, I, I think Belichick's going to just... He's going to do something and it's going to annoy the Dolphins. So I think the Patriots come away with this one by 24 points to 23. And then I have the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. And I've got the Jaguars going in and walking out with a win fairly comfortably. Got this one by a score of 24 to 13. Well, the Texans are the bogey team of the Jags because... Uh, the Texans are currently on a nine-game win streak against the Jags, and I think there's going to be an upset here. I think the Texans are going to beat the Jaguars because I think the Texans are going to win by 20 points to 18. Ooh, I like it. That's zesty. We then have the Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'd love to pick the upset here. <laughs> I'd love to. They're not going to do it. The Chiefs are going to absolutely walk all over them. Sorry, uh, I think that the Broncos' defense might turn up again this week. They didn't really last week. They're going to hold the Chiefs in check a little, but it won't be enough. We've got the Chiefs actually winning this one by a score of 31-6. to Chiefs are getting a 13-point head start. I think it's going to be closer than people think. Uh, I saw I saw a belief in the Broncos' defense, but I don't think they're going to stop the, the magic of Mahomes. Um, I've got the score being uh, 24 points to 13. Then have the Indianapolis Colts at the New York Giants. And I don't know who to pick in this one, but I'm taking the Giants. They are at home. I've got a low-scoring affair, 13-10 to 10 to the Giants. Well, I've gone the other way. I think it's, it, I, it is the Giants that I've got to win, but I think it's going to be really close. So I've got the Giants winning by 28 points to 27. That is close. We then have the Cleveland Browns at the Washington Commanders, and I'm taking the home team again in this one. I've got the Commanders winning by a score of 24-23 being generous giving 23 points to the Browns uh, I just don't see them doing much in it. I don't see either team do much in this game I've gone for a 17-13 win to the Commanders though we then have the Chicago Bears at the Detroit Lions and I think the Lions get back to winning ways with this one in a high scoring affair but uh, an overtime win nonetheless with 34-31 with a field goal in overtime to the Lions I think the Lions are just going to get it done here um but I think the Bears will keep them on their toes. I think it's going to be 41 points to 28. Oh, wow. We've then got the uh, Arizona Cardinals at the Atlanta Falcons. I don't see much offense being in this one at all. Uh, but I do have the Arizona Cardinals actually winning this one, despite the fact that we and down to the third string quarterback. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I've got a 10 to 6 to the Cardinals. 
I've got it 10 to 9 to the Cardinals. I think there's going to be three field goals for the Falcons. Young Way Koo is just going to, you know, keep them in the game. But I've got 10 to 9. I don't believe you. I guarantee you. The 49ers at the Raiders. The Raiders have benched Derek Carr, um, so they get nothing done. But the 49ers winning this one handily 24 to 3. Well, we're, we're in the same lines with the kind of way the game's going to go, but I've got the 49ers racking up 42 points Oof. and the Raiders getting nine. We then have the New York Jets at the Seattle Seahawks. I'm taking the Seahawks at home in this one. I think the wheels have completely fallen off the Jets. Uh, and I've got the Seahawks winning this one by a score of 17-6. to six. Yeah, the Seahawks are going to get this done, I hate to say. Um, I, I think they're going to rack up 27 points to the Jets' 10. And then we come to an NFC North battle between the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. And you know what? I reckon the Packers win this one. And I reckon they win it big. Uh, I think the Packers just have this thing over the Vikings in Green Bay. And it's going to be 30-10. to 10. Packers are quite heavy favourites uh, going into this game. Um, I, I'm, I'm picking the Vikings. I, I, I believe in this Vikings offence. I don't believe in the Packers. I, I just don't. I, I, I even though they're on this, they've got a lot of momentum right now. But I, I still think the Vikings are going to get it done. I think it's going to be a bit of a high-scoring game. Um, so I'm going to take the Vikings to win it by 30 points to 27. Then on the Sunday night, we have the Los Angeles Rams traveling all the way to the other side of their stadium to the away dressing room to take on the Los Angeles <laughs> Chargers. <laughs> um, and. I'm taking the Rams away from home. I've got Baker Mayfield doing it again and beating Justin Herbert in a high-scoring affair. I've got the Rams 33-30 to 30 winners. Wow, I think you're being optimistic that uh, last week was not a blip uh, with the 51 points, but I'm, I'm taking my Rams. Uh, I'm, I'm not overly um, confident in that, but I'm taking the Rams to win by 24 points to 21. And finally, we have the Monday night game between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. This was tough for me to pick, but I'm taking the Bengals at home. I just trust Joe Burrow slightly more than I do Josh Allen. It was very difficult for me to pick, but I think it's going to be another high-scoring game. And I've got the Bengals winning this one by a score of 28-26 very close again and I I thought I was going to be kind of on the opposite side where you were going to be surprised that I took the Bengals to win Um, but I'm taking the Bengals to win I think it's going to be 34 points to 30 for the Bengals and that wraps up a rapid fire week 17 preview it's tough to believe there's only two weeks to go Dave Um, so what we're going to do now ordinarily at this point we would do our, our random stats Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've got our, because it's our Christmas special edition, we're going to be handing out our awards for the year. Um, and of course, we're going to start with the most valuable player award. Um, do you want me to go first, Dave, or shall you do that? Yeah, go, yeah you crack I'll on. go first. So the, the most valuable player award, it really couldn't go anywhere else. And apologies to those people who are big fans of Justin Jefferson and players like that. It's Patrick Mahomes. I honestly believe without yeah. Patrick Mahomes, this Chiefs might be 500 or under. I believe that because they, they really haven't done anything other than the incredible things that he does week in and week out. Um, he leads the league in touchdowns. He leads the league in yards. He leads the league in passer rating. It, he's the best player 
on the on the Chiefs. And as far as I'm concerned, he's the best player on any team further ahead of anyone else on any other team. Therefore, Patrick Mahomes gets my vote for MVP. I mean, it's hard to disagree, and I'm not disagreeing. He is my he is the MVP as far as I'm concerned. Jalen Hurts running him close uh, for me anyway, because Jalen Hurts just had a, such a stellar season. But Patrick Mahomes is just special. He, he's a once in a generation player that has just shown through, and we're not going to see. Well, I mean, uh, look, we're not going to see someone just like him anyway, because what he can do, like you've said already today. He's special. He's a special, special player. Kelsey as well as main man uh, racked up a hundred yards uh, this week again. But um, yeah, Pat Mahomes. He's 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 MVP. There, there's just no doubt in my mind. So we then move on to we'll go for the rookie ones now, Dave. We'll come to offensive rookie of the year. Who do you have as your offensive rookie of the year? So it was going to be Brees Hall until he got injured. Mm. Uh, you know, he, he had such he was performance after performance. Um, but my offensive rookie of the year is going to a Seahawk, which kills me. Uh, Kenneth Walker III is mine um, because I, I think he's just been amazing this year. He's only started in nine games, but he's, uh, he's also got nine touchdowns so far. He hasn't fumbled the ball. He's racked up 803 yards uh, from 176 attempts. So that's averaging just over four and a half. Uh, and he's also been a decent receiving back, 25 receptions for 146 yards. So, and, you know, he's had a couple of big games. I think he's been a breakout for the Seahawks and he's also been injured a couple of times. Uh, so he's been playing through injuries as well. And, you know, he's, uh, uh, you know, for either a running back or a wide receiver uh, was what my thinking was. I think uh, Chris Olave, very, very close second for me. He's been, he's been amazing for the Saints. Um, also, the uh, uh, offensive tackle for the Seahawks, I think it's Charles Cross. Um, quite impressed with him as well. He was one of the first picks in the draft. He, he was the second highest uh, tackle taken. But my one goes to Kenneth Walker because I think I've just been really impressed the way that he's been able to uh, get in between the A and B gaps um, for good yardage every time. So Kenneth Walker the third, it pains me to say, is my offensive rookie of the year. I'm sure it does pain you to say that, uh, it and it's hard does. to argue with you, but I'm going to. Because okay. um, this will also pain you. I'm sticking with the NFC West. I know and where this is going. You know, know exactly. You know exactly where know. this is going. If you say, you know what I'm going to say. I'm I'm resigning. You know what I'm going to say. I'm resigning. You know what I'm going to say. It's Brock Purdy. It's not Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy had literally zero, and I am talking zero. First of all, zero hope of seeing the field, and secondly, zero expectations of doing anything. He's 3-0 as a starter. Eight touchdowns, three picks, 67% completion. The man has done things that no one thought he was going to do. If he wins out the rest of this year, going to the playoffs, they could win a couple of playoff games. He may go to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. I'm taking Brock Purdy. And I know it's controversial. And I, I'm not one of those ones who are like, oh, it's always quarterbacks. It's always, but this guy has done things. It was Brees Hall. For, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brees Hall was my guy. He went out. And there have been others. Chris Olave, yes, look great. But Brock Purdy has done things nobody ever would have expected him to do in their wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sorry, Dave. And I'm, I know it hurts oh. you. And I'm <laughs> sorry that you've said you're going to resign. But... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> but I'm sure I'll see you next week. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's 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 Brock Party, offensive rookie of the year. Well, my my top three were Kenneth Walker, mm-hmm. Chris Olave, mm-hmm. and Garrett Wilson. No, obviously minus Brees Hall because of his injury. Mm-hmm. But those were my top three. Brock Purdy did not come into my mind. I don't know, is that kind of just, you know, a bit of prejudice well, there? No, no, well, no, I, I understand why he didn't. I mean, the, the man's only started three games. Mm-hmm. He's only played, yeah, three And he's, only, games, he's yeah. only played in uh, five games. He's played in five. He started three. He's three and oh. But he's like, also, so his, he's, he's his, also his given... Quad- Sorry. He's sorry. I was just going to say he's also given the 49ers the perfect reason to finally get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. His passer rating over the last three weeks, his three starts, his passer rating has been 134, 117, and 114.6. So he's, dro- he's going down. He's easy. Well, I mean, <laughs> listen, <laughs> this is the thing. We're doing this before the season's finished. There's two games left to go. He may. Hmm. Proved to be absolute rubbish in the next two weeks, and I'll look like an idiot. This could happen. But for me, right now, Brock Purdy, offensive rookie of the year, because there was no expectations on him. Nothing. Very true. So that's why I'm taking Brock Purdy. So apologies there, Dave. I mean, I mean the, the 49ers, their, their, their final two games of the season are against the Raiders and against Cardinals. So I think they, you never know. He might be in the finals of Offensive Rookie of the Year based on those two uh, games. He, he might be. He might be. I don't mm. know how the actual voting works. I'm just going purely by the eye test and what I've seen. Mm. So then we come to the Defensive Rookie of the Year. And my pick for Defensive Rookie of the Year has not changed since about week three or four. It's the Detroit Lions' Aiden Hutchison. Yeah. He has been spectacular this year. Absolutely spectacular. And anyone who's watched Lions games will know exactly what I'm talking about. Not, Not just Lions fans, but people who played against the Lions. They watch this guy play. He has been relentless. Um, Some of the, the, the numbers... The, the, the stats don't actually show just how dominant Aiden Hutchinson has been this year mm-hmm. in the league. For me, it wasn't even close. Not even close. It was Aiden Hutchinson and then everybody else. Um, and that is my choice for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Who have you got, Dave? Exactly the same. I, I, I you know, there was a few kind of candidates. Uh, I think someone that's gone under the radar uh, was George Karlaftis at the Chiefs um, because he's been really he, his pressures have been really good, but and Jeff Okuda also of the Lions, uh, but he you know he's been injured. But Aiden Hutchinson has just been different this year. He, he's been everything they could have hoped for. He's got seven sacks. He's got two picks as well. He picked off Aaron Rodgers yeah. and uh, Daniel Jones uh, at the Giants as well. And you know he's had uh, pass deflections. He's had I think it's forty four tackles as of week sixteen. Um, a swell in the game, but I, 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 he's just brilliant. I really like Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I, I don't see anyone else that comes quite close to what he has been able to achieve. Um, maybe Jacoby Durant after last week, but uh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson <laughs> in the bag, absolutely, hundred percent. Um, he's he's just been brilliant, and he should have gone first pick, in my opinion. Oh, I definitely warranted first pick, and I think the, mm-hmm. the 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 Jaguars were rude that they did not take Aiden Hudson first overall. Um, so, Dave, we then come to Coach of the Year, and who is your choice for Coach of the Year? This is a really difficult one for me. Um, mm. 
it's I'm 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 torn. I'm I'm really really torn here. Uh, you know, you've got like the kind of op- more obvious ones. I, I think Andy Reid is st- within the kind of discussions. Um, I'm 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 not uh, seeing Carol Shanahan whatsoever. Uh, it just meant that he he's got every kind of tool to put a massive you know Super Bowl run together. I'm going to give it to Nick Sirianni though. Uh, just. I don't like his conduct in a couple of games, you know, taunting against a couple of fans. Um, I think we mentioned that when Tim was on. But um, I, I think what the Eagles have been able to do this year and the way that he's played to the strengths of his teams and, you know, getting these plays together, moving the, the offensive lines around to so that they can get the blocks in, Jalen Hurst's uh, runs and get A.J. Brown free as well. I, I, I've got to give it to Nick Sirianni. I do not disagree with anything you've said there. Um, I'm giving it to Mike McDaniel in Miami. And he the, was, yeah, he was, he was in my mind actually. Uh, the reason, the reason that I, I know a lot of people won't pick him is because of the Dolphins' record at eight and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but he took what looked like an absolutely stagnant offense, signed one player, and turned it into one of the best in the NFL which is what was expected of him. Now, obviously, the injuries to Tua aside have really hurt this team, and they've lost some games because of that. But I think he's a, a bright young man, and I think that they've got a good future ahead of them with Mike McDaniel. So I'm giving mm-hmm. him my coach of the year because he really has turned this team around. Uh, and I'll tell you who my, my second place was, Dave, because before we... Um, finish off and do random stats. We do have one, one final one, which is comeback player of the year. But before I do that, my second place, and I was going to have him as my coach of the year, Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. That's exactly what my, my other one was going to be. Doug yeah. Peterson. Doug if Peterson. They, if they win it, if they, if they win that division, I think he should, he should be right. Kind of top two, top three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think McDaniel's been unlucky. Uh, with with the Dolphins, yeah, injuries, with, with some yeah. some injuries and stuff like that, and they've lost mm. some games because of that. Uh, Doug Peterson, this this was literally a toss up for me between McDaniel and Peterson because what Peterson did was turn a, an absolute train wreck of a franchise around, um, and that brings us on to comeback player of the year. Now, I was going to pick Christian McCaffrey, and I know you wouldn't have liked that, <laughs> um, and I know some people would pick someone like Geno Smith. For example, but I'm taking Trevor Lawrence. And I know he wasn't injured last year. He, he played, you know, all 17 games. Started all 17 games. But the change in Trevor Lawrence from last year to this year has been ridiculous. Like, absolutely ridiculous. The fact that he went from 12 touchdowns and 17 picks to 24 touchdowns and 7 picks this year. The fact that his percentage completions jumped up by 6 points. Over 6 points. 6.3. His percentage has gone up this year. It's just unbelievable. He's thrown more yards this year, more touchdowns. He's still got two games left to play. Trevor Lawrence, for me, the turnaround is great, and I'm so happy that it's happened because people were calling him a bust last year, which just isn't fair. It's not fair at all. Um, so for me, comeback player of the year, 
Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars with a wee nod to Doug Peterson for being the reason for Trevor Lawrence's turnaround. I was torn between two for my pick. Now, um, Geno Smith, I think, has just had such a stellar year. I, I think he's he's definitely one of them. But I'm going to go for one that you might not quite expect, which is Saquon Barkley. Because Ooh. Saquon Barkley has been ravaged by injury the last couple of years. Now, this year alone, he has been the cornerstone of that uh, Giants win. They were lucky to get any wins. They, uh, they would have been without him in there. Because, I, I mean, it's... You, can, you know, we, we, we've been talking about the contract situation. But how important has he been, particularly this year, when he's been able to stay healthy? Mm, Invaluable, he, he, yeah. He's, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's racked up 1,200 yards this year. Uh, and, you know, that with the rushing alone, he's got he's got uh, 10 touchdowns. Now, he, he hasn't got any touchdowns um, in the receiving game, but he's, he has got 55 receptions this year for 343 yards. So that, that's averaging just shy of four, four receptions per game. Um, you know, and he just gets those extra yards all the time. He's come back from potential career-ending injuries. He's going to the Pro Bowl this year as well, which just, to me, rounds up what a great year um, he's had. And, you know, he, in, his, in his first year alone, he, he set four uh, NFL records for a rookie. So he had uh, most 100-yard-plus uh, yards from scrimmage by a rookie, which was 12 games. He had the most 50-yard-plus touch, touchdowns by a rookie, which is at its tied with you know just that a little well-known guy called Randy Moss. Uh, he had the most receptions by a rookie running back in NFL history at ninety-one, and the most catches in a game by a rookie, which was fourteen. So that's in his rookie year. He's had, I'd say, three years of in, you know injury hit years where he's just been battered and bruised game after game. He missed all except two games of the twenty twenty season with severe injuries and 2022 he's come back and he's really done the job for the Giants so I'm just giving it to Saquon Barkley over Geno Smith well I don't think anyone can really argue with that uh Saquon Barkley's been absolutely fantastic this year and it's so so good uh, similar to the the Christian McCaffrey it's so good to see a player come back from an injury uh, from you know within the last couple of years and and really get going because when you see some of these players so like in the rookie season or the first two years look great and then they suffer an absolutely horrendous injury and that just wipes out an entire year for them it's good to see them come back so there we go Dave that wraps up our awards for this year hey. yeah nice one nice one I enjoyed that I, ne- I nearly gave it to Baker as well <laughs> just thought oh maybe Baker may hey, go, maybe maybe next year maybe uh, next year. Yeah. Uh, so, Dave, we do have time for one final segment. This has been a long podcast. Mm. This has been a long podcast. We're kicking on the two-hour mark. Um, so we do have time for one final segment, and it is, of course... Random Stats. So we're going to bring Jake McGee back in for the first random stat. What have you got for us, Jake? I'll kick it off this week. I got a bit of a double header. I found one stat and then there was something that kind of bounced off it, which I thought fit in rather nice. So the first stat I saw was that there are two quarterbacks uh, to start 3-0 and with multiple pass touchdowns at each start since 1950. One is the Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner, and the other is Brock Purdy. 
So he's already in great company. And I thought that's that's a nice start. I mean, I'm all, I'm I'm loving a bit of Brock Purdy at the moment. But on the back of that, I saw the only QBs with multiple pass touchdowns and a hundred passer a hundred plus passer rating in each of their first three starts. Brock Purdy and Dan Marino. So he's keeping wow. very good company at the moment. So it's it's only a matter of time before we're seeing um, Hall of Famer Dan Marino and Hall of Famer Kurt Warner and future Hall of Famer Brock Purdy. There's a <laughs> get their gold jacket out ready, you know. Oh, they might as well. See, My goodness, Ocho Cinco might lend it to him. You never know. What do, what do you what do you think of of Purdy from what you've seen? He's played really well, much better than anyone had expected. But it doesn't seem like. Um, you know, quite often with some of these quarterbacks, they're, they're doing just enough to win the game. Like, just enough to barely win the game. Because everyone talks about this Fortnite's defense. But Purdy really has looked good. I mean, what, what do you make of it? I mean, the 49ers are a bit of a miracle this year. Um, the amount of injuries they've faced, defense, offense, you know, not just quarterback. I mean, on the third quarterback, not many teams can survive. I mean, look at the Eagles. They would have won probably this week with their quarterback. Um, you know, not many teams can win with a backup, and almost no team can win with a third stringer who, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, nobody cared about, you know, up until a few weeks ago. But like I say, it's been on the defense as well. They've had injuries here, there, and everywhere. And what I've really seen from Purdy, it's nothing outstanding or like, oh my God, this is the second coming of, of you know, Tom Brady. He's going to never give up the job again. But he certainly seems incredibly mature, and his teammates certainly seem to respect him. You know, there's no like, oh, we really need to help our, our third ring, you know, Mr. Irrelevant. There's none of that. They all seem to rally around him. And it's almost like they've not missed a step. So I, that that's what's impressed me the most is if you got into NFL at Thanksgiving and you started watching the fight and I was like, oh, this, this quarterback's quite, you know, this is a decent quarterback. You wouldn't have known he was, you know, the third string or Mr. Irrelevant or any of these things that obviously is great for the, the headlines, but he just seems to fit. He certainly does, and I don't think you can argue with the results there. He's doing absolutely uh, sensational work, and he's undefeated as a starter. Now, I don't know how long that's going to continue, but um, I, I think I'd said a few weeks ago, and this was you know long before, when Jimmy G was still the quarterback before he got injured, um, that the 49ers, be, their defense is so good that all they need is half-decent offensive play, and they could be very dangerous come January. And they're getting more than half decent. Uh, we, we, I'm not sure what the, the final thing is with Debo Samuel, how long he's going to be out for. If they know if he's out for the year, I, I'm not sure. Uh, obviously, they would miss a, a weapon of his caliber. But the, the offense, is it's clicking quite nicely. And uh, I don't think anyone's going to want to face this team come the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see. What do you reckon? How, about that? how would that be for a storybook? If Brock Purdy comes in and takes his team to, to a Super Bowl as Mr. Irrelevant in his rookie season, that would be something else. Uh, I look forward to that uh, football life in the, in the future, but they'll certainly be the team barring an absolute miracle of the Saints, um, or, well, more of a Bucks and Panthers collapse, but uh, the, the 49ers will be the team I'll be riding with just for the story alone and saying they've got a, a crystal ball to, to trade for Christy McCaffrey and then Debo go down, they've almost not not missed him too much. Obviously, they do, but... Uh, and if they do get him back for the playoffs, I mean, really do watch out for them. They will be a, a train that might not be uh, able to come off its tracks. There we go. And that's uh, Jake's random start and a very good one it was. Thank you very much, Jake. 
Yeah. So, Dave. Yeah, I'll go first. I've, yeah. I've just got a very quick and brief one, but uh, it's about it's actually about Josh Allen. Um, now, Josh Allen, uh, last year, I, th- I think it was last year, he was the first person to throw for 4,000 yards and rush for 750 yards in a season uh, in the NFL. Now, this year, he's currently on 4,029 passing yards and 746 rushing yards. So he's set to break that record once again. Now, he, last year, he managed to pass for 4,407 yards, which is quite a lot. Now, he's got two games left. He's on 4,029 yards. Are you really betting on him not getting 200 yards in each of his next two games? I, I, I think it would be silly too. <laughs> no. Are you going to bet on him not getting to that 750 yards? He got 763 yards last year on the ground. Are you going to bet against him getting 17 yards in the next two games? Absolutely not. He's going to break and not. He's going to break his own record from last year, and I think he's on course to really challenge Patrick Mahomes's hold over the AFC. And I think we've seen it in every Bills Chiefs game. It's been close every single time, whichever way it went. But Josh Allen, he's going to break another record this year. So that is my random set. I like it. I like it a lot. Thank you, Dave. Um, and one of my random stat uh, concerns punters. Oh. Now, we all know that we love special teams here, but the guys do, who don't yeah. really get that much of the much of the love is the actual punters. You know, we talk about punt returners and kick returners and kickers, but the punters, you know, they're people too. Well, well, be, being a ram, I can't remember what a punter is. Oh I've seen him for a couple Lord, of weeks. One week, <laughs> one week. I should it's, never have done this. Oh my <laughs> word. Oh, my word. Oh. Well, I'm going to talk about uh, two, two punters here. Um, we're talking about a guy called Bob Parsons and a guy called Chad Stanley. Now, Great names. Bob Parsons was a punter for the Chicago Bears in the early 80s. And Chad Stanley was the punter for the Houston Texans uh, in the early 2000s. Now, the reason I'm bringing these two guys up is because they are tied for the record amount of punts in a season. Now, 16-game season, because that's what it was back then. Dave, what do you reckon is the most punts in, in a season? Uh, so last year, Cameron Johnston, for, again for the Houston Texans, <laughs> apologies to you Houston fans, led the league with 88 punts. Which is a lot. So it's it's mm-hmm. over over five punts per game. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon Chad Stanley and Bob Parsons punted for in 1981 and 2002? Uh, so how many games did they play in 1981? Uh, uh, 16. It was still 16. 16 games, okay. Um, let's see. So well, eight, 88 the led the league last year uh, in 2021. Okay. Well, we're definitely uh, tw- looking at three figures, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, just a little bit. Um, I'm going to see 140. Ooh. One, one, four. 114 oh. points. You, it, it sounded similar. Uh, it just wasn't quite the right way down. Uh, well, well yeah, yeah. look, it's a speech impediment, so I got a spot on. That's all right. So Chad Stanley <laughs> uh, uh, for the Houston Texans in 2002, he punted 100 and 14 times, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. The following year, he punted 97 times, also led the league. 
Neither of those years did he lead the league in punting yards. Oh. He actually set a record. He tied a record in 2002 with 114 punts, but did not lead the league in punting yards. So get this. Bob Stanley punted 114 times in 1981. He led the league in punting yards. 4,531. I'm not surprised. Yeah. In 1982, the the strike-shortened season, he led the league in punts again with 58 and led the league in (laughs) punting yards. 2,394. But yeah, so in 2002, Chad Stanley punted 114 times, but he had an an average of 41.4 yards per punt. He did not lead the league in punts and his net was only 37.5 yeah two punts blocked but then if you're punting 114 times two punts blocked is to be expected you know yeah fair enough yeah and that is my random stat that's a great stat but that, that that's got to do some, something for your your leg. <laughs> You're kind of walking with a limp as soon as you leave the league. Well, the <laughs> following let's say the following year he, he he led the league in punting again, ninety seven punts, and didn't lead the league in yards. <laughs> like, come on, I man! Do, does do, do you reckon there, that's a lot of touchbacks in? You know, they they don't have the kicker to get kind of like more than forty five. Do you know it, it could be it could be a lot of punts from midfield. Yeah, a lot of punts from midfield, uh, and therefore you you've got a lot of touchbacks. So it's you're getting 30 net, 30 net punts and stuff like that, mm. and it's just it it's not ideal. But yeah, so that's uh, that's my random stat with that. We do like the punters. We like special uh, we, teams. We love a, yeah, we love a special teams random stat. We certainly do, Dave. So there we go. That wraps us up for this week. We're wrapped up. Wow. Christmas week is done. We made it. We did. We did make it. So, next week is week 17. We're looking forward to it. Ordinarily, that would be the last week, but for some weird reason, we play 17 games in a season now. Don't know why that is. Ridiculous. Yep. Um, so, yes. To all of our listeners, we appreciate you sticking with us through 2022. It's been wonderful. We hope you've all enjoyed it. Um, and we hope you all have a lovely new year. Dave, I hope you have a lovely new year. And yourself, and just to all our listeners, as they say in the Western Isles, Blaine of Aour. Absolutely. In, in, in Scott, in Gaelic, Blaine of Aour. And yeah, wish you all the best for 2023, and wish the Rams all the best for 2023. I'm sure you do. <laughs> now, the other thing, just a couple of things before we wrap up. Of course, uh, we still have our giveaway that we're going to be doing at the end of the regular season, and that is from Empty House Traders, uh, Lewis Revival. We have a Von Miller. Uh, boys, is that a boys extra large? I think it's a, it's an extra large boys, extra it, large a, boys yeah. Broncos top of Von Miller top to be. We're going to be doing a giveaway at the end of the regular season, so keep an eye on Twitter at the WinFL Show. Um, and of course, you know if you're going to check out a Lewis Revival uh, Empty House Traders, you can check them out as well. Absolutely, um, go go to them. They've got loads of amazing stuff across three floors in Stornoway uh, here in the Isle of Lewis. Um, so feel free to do that. You can catch us on Twitter. At the WinFL show, you can catch myself and Dave on Twitter as well. You can also get Jake. I don't think Tim's on Twitter, is he? Uh, no, I, I don't think he's on Twitter. No, no, I don't know why. 
But he's not. We'll have to get, we'll, we'll get him on Twitter. Yeah, we'll get Tim on Twitter as well. Um, so thank you all once again for listening. 2022 has been an incredible year for us. Uh, we, we're only on our 40, what is this? Is this episode 44, 45? Uh, I can't remember yesterday, so you're asking the wrong person. For yeah, this. so we, we've done forty something episodes of the Winning Hell show, yeah. um, and it's I th- been. I think this is good. I think it's forty six. We're going to be on. This is forty six now. Forty five. Forty five. Forty six. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, our very first episode was just before the Super Bowl last year. Mm. Um, so it's it's just been an absolute roller coaster of a ride. Um, we you know we started off with no listeners, no followers. Uh, because it was a brand new podcast uh, we just let a couple of our friends know and it's gone from strength to strength thank you so much to everyone who's followed us um, we really appreciate it in our new year uh, episode next year uh, next year it is. it will be next year oh, yeah you know I sort of said be. that by accident I was going to say next week I said next year but it is it is next year it'll be mm-hmm. 2023 the next time we speak to you guys absolutely insane we're living in the future Dave you know that exactly yeah, oh, living well, in the future. Yeah. Um, and also we've got a couple of uh, extra things that we've got going on. We're gonna have to we're gonna have some special guests coming on the show in, in the next few weeks. Um, we're also gonna have more giveaways as well. So uh, keep an eye out for those. And once again, Dave, thank you very much. It's a pleasure as always, buddy. Thank you to all of our listeners and have a wonderful new year. We'll see you on next week's edition of the WinFL Show. <laughs> <laughs>